Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. Joining me, we have Dalton Bishop. What's up, fellas? Doing well. We also have Christian Ernst. What is going on, y'all? And for the first time ever on this podcast, we have a special guest, lifelong friend. If you made it to the end of episodes in the past, you've heard me mention this guy. Uh, it is the host of Ryan's Happy Hour, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan, how's it going, man? Hello, hello. What's up, guys? <laughs> oh, I'm excited. just enjoying life. We are happy to have you on, Ryan. Uh, so you are, of all who I know, the biggest rugby fan and uh, a little behind the scenes, we tr- we were going to schedule this last week, but uh, totally uh, slipped my mind because the Rugby World Cup was fresh last week um, with the ending. But nonetheless, Ryan, the floor is yours. Normally, I'm the one that is rambling for a whole minute. So the floor is yours. Take as much time as you need uh, with the Rugby World Cup recap. All right. Well, um, seeing as how this is the first time, um, A, that I've been on the show and B, that rugby has been discussed here, um, like, uh, I've only been a fan of it for a couple years, but like I've been trying to get more and more focused on it so that way I can learn the rules, learn the tactics, everything like that. Uh, it's been really, really fun. Uh, and this World Cup was the first one I actually got to watch most of live, uh, thanks to Peacock streaming some of the matches live or just putting them on replay so I could watch them and get caught up for the final. Um. But this World Cup, man, this was really something because you had four teams starting the qualifiers or ending the qualifiers, excuse me, going completely undefeated. You had France, England, Ireland, and Wales taking zero losses the entire time they were going um, with New Zealand and a couple of the teams like filling in those second places for their pools, which is like groups of four teams like taking on each other uh, just to see who's going to qualify for what position. Um so those those were some intense matches. Some were blowouts. Some were really, really close. Um, New Zealand started off those qualifiers pretty rough. And for anybody who uh, has not listened to Ryan's Happy Hour, uh, you should, by the way. Um, I'm a fan of the New Zealand All Blacks. They are my team. I found them two years ago or something like that and became instant fan watching them play because they're just amazing. Um, so we had a little bit of a rough start with the qualifiers, losing to France. Um Again, man, France just was not taking any L the entirety of those qualifiers. So to see them do so well was just incredible. Uh, and they they made the waves in the quarterfinals because then they get crushed. And who do they get crushed by? I've got to pull that up just to be sure I get it right. They lose to South Africa by one point. Absolutely devastating loss, but all the same, they fought for that loss and just they could not execute but that's okay. That is okay. They fought as hard as they could, and South Africa earned that win. Now, again, with the qualifiers, some of these were blowouts. Some of these quarterfinal matches were blowouts. Others, really tight. Like I just said, France versus South Africa, real tight. Argentina versus Wales, not very tight. You had Wales losing 17-29 to Argentina. Absolutely bonkers. But you know what? Again, Argentina earned it. Now, the semifinals is where things got real scary for me because Argentina was on a tear and England still progressed all the way up to these semifinals. England knocked New Zealand out of the World Cup four years ago. So I was really scared that if we went up against them again, we were probably going to lose. South Africa comes in clutch and knocks them out. 
15 to 16, again with the one-point difference making it all, while New Zealand coasted through Argentina 44 to 6, like absolutely just bonkers win. Needless to say, I was very proud of the boys. But heartbreak struck, as it usually does, the final match of the tournament. You had Argentina, or excuse me, not Argentina, my guy. You had New Zealand versus South Africa. And New Zealand lost, man. We lost the game. Uh, we lost 11 to 12. But I got to watch, let's see, about five minutes of the first half and then the entirety of the second half. And my goodness, was it ever a battle for the ages against these two rivals. They have fought tirelessly throughout the years. And it was just incredible to see them take them on, like take each other on once again. But a, a low-scoring match, if I do say so. 11 to 12. Uh South Africa's victory. But, man, they became the first team to ever win four World Cup titles in all of history. And so even though we lost, I'm insanely proud of the All Blacks for going that distance. I'm proud of every team that got in there and played their hearts out because, you know, they do it for the love of the game. Um, But, man, South Africa, congratulations to them. But, uh, you know, we got four years to prep for the next one. New Zealand will be back and better than ever. Um, So hopefully they can get four. We'll see what happens. But um, that is my very, very brief recap of the 2023 World Rugby World Cup. Go on. Yeah, no, actually, for myself, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna BS anyone. Like, I actually was watching that final at least like on and off the second half. I was working, so I had like it was on college football Saturday, so I was watching college football. But like, like I said, it was on Peacock. They were streaming the entire thing, so I pulled my phone out just I'm watching. I'm like. Okay, it's a really close game, and it, like you said, it was low score, which I'm, you know, I don't follow rugby that closely. I, I see some scores you see in the seventies and or like seventy three nothing. Then you see others that, like you said, and then credit, like you said, to South Africa winning by one point in the knockout stage in every single match they had to face. Yep. Uh, the Springboks, as they're known, I found that out uh, <laughs> watching that game. I don't oh, you know. Yeah. The, I have no clue what the history with the, the Springboks name with South Africa is, but I mean, it was a hell of a. Uh, a final, very low scoring, and um, but yeah, sorry Ryan for your All Blacks. Um, also, what do you have in store? Like we mentioned, I, every time I know you listen on and off to us, I listen to as much as I can with your podcast. Uh, what have you done lately with Ryan's Happy Hour, and then what do you have in the coming weeks with that show? Oh, that's a good question. Um, in terms of what's coming next, um, I actually need to get back on and try and plan out some episodes. Um try to see who else I want to bring on. So, of course, I may be reaching out to you, fellas, um, because you are always reliable and just absolutely enjoyable guests to have on the show anytime we do. It's a ton of fun. Um, but basically, I need to plan out some more episodes. The last one I did with uh, our other friend, Jake Smith, uh, it's been out for, geez, like one one to two weeks, I think. Uh, and that was another recap. Uh, the sh- Ryan Tapia has basically become a recap show at this point. Um uh, but as a recap of the uh, Disney Plus show Ahsoka, so we're talking a lot of Star Wars, getting off track, having some fun as we usually do. Um, and we talked about on that episode that we're trying to start a YouTube channel together to uh, play our one of our favorite games of all time, Seven Days to Die. Because uh, right now on Jake's YouTube channel, we've got a series going like 25 episodes long. Um, so we've been we've been recording that series for over a year and we're thinking we may just start a channel dedicated to that and some other 
um, kinds of zombie games and see what else we can do with that. But uh, in terms of the podcast itself, um, you know, you'll just have to wait and find out. But um, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to start thinking some stuff up, but we'll see what comes next. Yeah, and all, if you can't listen to it before December 1st, just because the uh, the Spotify rap comes out December 1st, so we want to boost those numbers up for Ryan's happy hour so that he gets a lot of listens and a lot of... Uh... <laughs> you may and want also... to do it before that even, because they, like, I think last year, sometime around November, they stopped the, like, the numbers and everything, so they gathered all the information for... Uh, not only the podcast, but like, you know, your own Spotify account for the wrapped and everything like that. They gather that in- information like November, like early November, I feel like. So, you know, if you want to go listen to a show that, you know, if you've got an interest, we've probably talked about uh, Ryan's Happy Hour. Highly recommend. Go check it out. Um, the, all three of these guys have been on it. Um, in fact, I think I, I started with Spence and then worked up to Christian and Dalton. So your favorite hosts of all time have been on my show. So, um <laughs> Yeah, go check those episodes out. Yeah, and if you're interested in going on the show, reach out to Ryan, too. Uh, we can find a way to get in contact. That, too. Because, uh, yeah, Ryan, it's a, it's a great podcast. I do highly recommend that. Uh, but, Ryan, thanks for coming on for this Rugby World Cup um, segment. It was definitely uh, – we'll try to have some more rugby talk uh, in the next four years. Before <laughs> I don't know, like the Olympics, maybe. <laughs> yeah, before the Olympics. <laughs> No, man, thank you so much. This was absolutely awesome to come on and um, I get just see how it all gets done. So thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, all right. Uh, transitioning now to uh, what people that have been regularly accustomed to, if you've been listening the last few weeks, you know, the World Series was going on. We've had our fun. Uh, last week we recorded before, I believe, game four was going on, uh, where the Rangers took a commanding three to one lead in that series. The Rangers got it done the next night on um, November 1st. The Rangers shut out the Diamondbacks 5 to nothing to get their first World Series in franchise history. A game that, through six innings, Zach Gallen of the Diamondbacks was pitching a no-hitter. Uh, in the top of the seventh inning, you got a couple runs for the uh, Diamondbacks. Uh, yeah, or Texas, excuse me, score in the seventh inning. And then the ninth inning, going into the ninth inning, it's one nothing Texas. And it just, you know, they just broke it open in the top of the ninth. Texas scoring four runs to go up five to nothing, uh, which ended up being the final score. Nathan Eovaldi getting his fifth win of the postseason, uh, making him, tying him for, uh, with Randy Johnson, um, Francisco Rodriguez, and then Steven Strasburg, who was World Series MVP in 19 with the Nationals, uh, tying them with, for the most wins in the MLB postseason. Corey Seager, a former Dodger, winning World Series MVP, just the second guy to ever win World Series MVP with two different franchises. Uh, the, he won the World Series MVP in 2020, like I said, with the Dodgers, winning this year with the Rangers, just um, two years after signing with them. The other guy being Reggie Jackson, the 70s, with the Athletics and with the Yankees. He was World Series MVP with two different franchises. A very uh, small group of people that can uh, bolster that history. Bruce Boshi, obviously, his fourth World Series uh, win as a manager, his first without that's not with the Giants. Uh, just a hell of a uh, job that Chris Young and company have done down in Texas to, you know, get Boshi out of retirement. You signed Seager the year before. You get Eovaldi last year in free agency. You trade for Montgomery. 
You trade for Scherzer, who I know got injured in the world in the World Series and missed some time in the postseason. But they were very aggressive, and it paid off for Texas. So congratulations to the Texas faithful. The Rangers winning their first World Series, and now three of the four current defending champions in the big four sports are first-time champions. You have the Denver Nuggets and the Vegas Golden Knights. The Chiefs obviously have a few. Um, just a really cool stretch of sports right now that we're seeing these franchises win their first championship uh, in franchise history. Joel, our resident Texas boy, uh, what's the what's it like down in Texas with the Rangers winning their first World Series, winning in five games? They are definitely happy. Uh, obviously, I feel like they've uh, um, they're I don't know probably going to appreciate this one a little bit more because it is the first World Series. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 good to see for them. Um, I feel like you know maybe. You know, this this might go on for a little while. Um, you know, I'll have to, you know, see see and keep like a running tab of how long they actually um hold on to this victory uh before, you know, they move on to the next thing because you know, there's so many teams down here and you know, the NBA has already started, so you know they might just move on to debt to the uh Mavericks, the Spurs. Bunch of Spurs, the guys, they just love Wimby so much. But um, Rangers, I mean, just Spence, I don't I don't even want to, oh, like, step on your toes because you did such a great job recapping it. I mean, just dominating fashion, dude. I mean, just absolutely dominated. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, congratulations to the Rangers. They they really did a great job. And, you know, down here it's it's, it's – uh, pretty good they're they're feeling they're feeling they're feeling really 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 excited and happy um about about this about this outstanding win all right christian anything uh, your reaction to the rangers winning the first world series of franchise history i mean it's awesome for them obviously because this is their first world series uh they've been to back-to-back world series back in the early 2010s but winning their first one obviously is huge uh, and, yeah, like you mentioned, Denver Nuggets winning their first championship. So, could we see that in the NFL this year? Uh, I think the best team to do that would probably be Jacksonville. Uh, but that's going to be a long shot, honestly. But for Texas, I mean, it is going to be an incredible uh, time to be a Rangers fan. Uh, you know, as we all know, baseball, you know, the window is very short. It can open for just a smidge of enclosed. I mean, the Royals won the World Series back a decade ago, and they're just the laughing stock of the AL. So you you can see how quick on a dime, it, you know, the better teams can change. I mean, Chicago, exactly the same. Um, you know, only like Houston and the Dodgers can keep that consistently. But for Texas, obviously, you know, if you listen to the podcast when we were given predictions, I was not buying Texas at all. They won the AL Central, which was one of the worst divisions in entire baseball, and they won the entire thing. So good for them, good for that organization, and they should celebrate and be the champs. So, you know, they're going to have momentum going into next year, but it's going to be a big question mark. Like, can they uh, win this division again and compete for another World Series? It'll be a little tougher, 
because I think they really only have Corey Ballinger to really step up for them. But we shall see how the offseason goes, how free agency goes, and can they uh, achieve more uh, for next season. Yeah, and uh, real quick before we move on and put a wrap on this baseball season, the Rangers, perfect 11-0 and on the road this postseason. Uh, very impressive. Being away from the Globe Life Park uh, did not phase them one bit. Um, also, Bruce Bochy, like I mentioned, first World Series that was not with the Giants, becoming the third manager to ever win a World Series championship in both leagues, joining Sparky Anderson, Tony La Russa, the other two. And uh, Will Smith, the pitcher, uh, third straight year that he's won a World Series with his third different team. Um, he was with the Braves, then he got traded in 22 to the Astros, wins it all. He signs with Texas last year, wins it all um, there. And if you want to go back even further in 2020, Will Smith, the catcher, won a World Series MVP. So four straight years, a guy named Will Smith has won a World Series, which is a little bit of a, a fun nugget for all you trivia buffs out there. Uh, but nonetheless, that will wrap up our World Series recap. We do have a few managerial hires, including a stunner, that happened just yesterday, the day that we're recording, 11-7. This news broke yesterday on November 6th. Uh, but the first hire we want to discuss, Stephen Vogt. Um, he had a decent uh, playing career uh, from 2012 to 2022 with various franchises. Um, he was a two-time All-Star back in 15-16 when he his first hit with the Athletics. Uh, he finished his career with the Athletics in 22 uh, this past season was a coach with the uh, Seattle Mariners, so just going straight from retirement and staying in the dugout and going to a um, you know coaching role, which, again, you know, good for him to get there. He was the uh, bullpen and quality control coach with the Mariners this past season. And they're taking a risk. The Guardians are hiring him just, um, you know, he was he was hired in January for this job, and then not even a year later, he is now going to be the 45th manager for the Cleveland Guardians franchise. And he is only 39 years old. We've seen a trend lately um, with former players, especially catchers. Like, we're going to get to one in a bit, David Ross. Uh, but he was thinking he was a catcher in his playing career, uh, became a manager with the Cubs. He did that four years after his retirement from the sport. So it is interesting that the Guardians are going with a, uh, a younger player uh, person to manage the club that has no managerial experience one year on the bench um, as an assistant coach. But it's a hire. It's a very risky hire. I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all. But if it hit, they look like geniuses. And that's really what I'm looking for is he, again, he's not much older. He's not much older than the players that he was with. Um, so maybe he can relate to the players as, you know, a former player. I was just in the dugout just two years ago as a player. Like, I know what you guys go through day in and day out, and that can be beneficial to some of the guys there in Cleveland. The one's proud franchise is trying to get back to the postseason because they have not had many postseasons uh, lately in Cleveland. Dolan, your thoughts, reaction to Stephen Vogt being named the new Guardians manager? I was probably just as shocked as well. Um, probably with these hirings, you know, I just, I just want to see how it goes. Like, that's – I mean, that's kind of just my thoughts on these. Like, I, I, I don't really have extensive knowledge um, into, like, what this means for uh, the Guardians, for Steven. Um, 
you know, it's, I mean, I guess, you know, you know, the spins, the points you make about, um, you know, having a guy who's, you know, relatively close in like the age, um, with the uh, players, um, that's, that's a, that's a really, really good point. And, you know, so like, I, I think, I think that could be, uh, pretty, uh, beneficial for them as well. Um, but I think, like, even, too, like, even when um, Francona was the manager, I thought the Guardians had a good roster for the most part. Um, so, I mean, I guess, barring any, you know, circumstances that we just didn't see coming, the Guardians should be okay for next year. Um yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I think I think the Guardians, unlike some of these other ball clubs uh, that are hiring managers, are in much better position. Maybe uh, I think with their division, it's kind of just like meh. Um, and it's kind of like anybody can win it, and there's not one team that's like above and beyond. So, I mean, yeah, I I think you know this could be pretty good. The Mariners. You know they've had they've had a good good roster and good uh, season output the past few years. So, you know I think I think uh, them hiring a coach from that squad uh, would I I mean I would probably say provide more dividends for them. Um, you know than you know the opposite. All right, Christian, your thoughts on Stephen Bell being named the next Guardians manager? Uh, I think it's a very questionable move. Um, after discussing some similar topics with uh, some close friends of mine, um, having this kind of relationship where you're not too much older than the players you are deemed like above, that can cause a lot of uh, situations because they the players are going to see you more as a player, as a friend, instead of an authoritative member of that organization. So I think that's going to be tricky for them. Um, and I also, you know, want to crit- – like, and I'm not going to criticize, but it, it's highly risky to bring somebody in who, yes, who's known the game, who's played the game, and he understands it, but – he hasn't had that managerial coaching background that he needs to get. If, you know, very similar to David Ross, you know, if he has some times to stay out of the league and just watch it from a side, you know, he could pick up a couple things here and there, but just one year of coaching and he's going to be pretty much essential the head coach of uh, a baseball team, it's very risky. It's pretty much bringing on any quality control coach of a football team and naming them the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, yes, it's the Guardians. This isn't, you know, the Yankees or anything. But you're still, you know, you've only coached for one year and you have to be the guy, uh, the head of an organization in terms of, um, like, the actual athletes and the coaches themselves. It's very risky. I do not see this going too well. I hope I'm proven wrong, but it's a huge major question mark in my opinion. All right. The next managerial hire that we will discuss, uh, this one kind of stunned me a bit when it was broken. I thought they were going for a different candidate that had been rumored for a few weeks. They did not. The New York Mets hiring crosstown rival 
uh, Yankees infielder, uh, former infielder, and their bench coach, uh, Carlos Mendoza, to be the new manager for the New York Mets. And the Mets had a lot of money to spend. Like Stephen Cohen, we've mentioned time and time on this show, one of the richest owners in baseball. He's not afraid to spend money. We saw him last offseason. And, yeah, it did end up perfectly for the Mets. They were selling the uh, Scherzer and Verlander at the deadline because the team just tanked so bad last year. Uh, and, again, the Yankees, they've been historically really good franchise. But, like, last year was an awful year uh, for the New York Yankees. And now you're higher at Mendoza. And again, Mendoza's been with the team for uh, since 2018. And while they haven't won the World Series or even won the AL, he's still – he's been – in that locker room, in that dugout, learning from Aaron Boone, who, I mean, I think he's a little, I don't think he's that good of a manager, especially lately, uh, but a little side tangent there for another day. Um, so I'm very skeptical of the Mets hire. Like, I think that Steve Cohen will put a winning roster or at least a talented roster together. And it's Mendoza's, you know, job now to manage that talent. And, I mean, I I want to believe in him, give him the benefit of the doubt, because it is also, it is his first managerial role. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of learning on the job. Similar to like Stephen Volley, we were saying. It's going to be a lot of learning on the job. And I don't think the success will be immediate for the Mets. But if you give him a couple years to you know fully grasp this, he's only 43 years old, I think it could work out. But like short term, I do not see it being much successful for the Mets. Unless the talent is really there, uh, which is definitely possible because I know they want to spend. Uh, but Dolan, your thoughts on the New York Mets hiring Carlos Mendoza as their next manager. Yeah, uh, look, I think with the Mets, it's kind of just, you know, that was this is kind of like a, it just look, we just like they hired somebody from their crosstown from their rival. They, you know, they play in the same city, and it's like like you could go with any other candidate, and you decided to pick. From that particular coaching staff, like I don't know if I, I don't I don't know like how much that you know psychologically plays into it, but I mean you just you've got to be you know it just I don't know words can't describe why like this exact move for me I just don't even understand why you would go to that team when you don't even like that team. Like, that'd be like, that'd be like, Spencer, you picking, those here's actually, you know, perfect. Brian Flores is a great example of this. So, he started with the Patriots, correct? And then he got hired on with Miami? Yep. Okay, that's a great example. Okay, not okay. Sorry, sort of great example. But these guys are rivals, right? They're rivals. That's what I'm trying to get at. These are rivals. These these two ball clubs don't like each other at all. You picking somebody from a team which you hate. That's uh, for me. That's like, well, look, we just don't even have we we like love your system so much, and so we just need to overhaul that. You know, we're gonna pluck somebody. We're gonna take somebody from your team. Because, quite frankly, we just don't think that anybody else out there is going to be good enough to take over this squad. I, I I don't know. I have questions about this. The Mets already are in trouble. Like, they just had an absolute, like, 
they I'm you know I'm I'm uh pretty sure if my facts are correct that they've had to go out and hire a GM as well and just completely clean slate management. Um, yeah, I mean I I don't foresee this move going over too well. Um, but you know. Maybe it does. I I I just think we don't know. You know, like when push comes to shove, and the Mets and the Yankees are throwing money at the same players. Who are they going to sign with? They're probably going to sign with the Yankees. Um, you know, given if you know it, if like the values are the same, it's I I just don't see this being a good move for them and for the near future at least. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the uh, Carlos Mendoza hire by the New York Mets? It's the New York Mets. Um, they're going to have all the hype in the world uh, if you just w- pay attention to ESPN. And once the season's gone, like, first week, they'll win a couple games. Like, oh, my gosh, New York Mets, they could be a really good team. And then by July, we're like, oh, they're just crap. Again, like, until Mets prove otherwise – it's just gonna be the Mets. You're the you're the Clippers to the Lakers, like you are to the New York Yankees. You're the New York Giants historically, or the Jets historically to the New York Giants. You're just another team in you know in New York. You're not you're not better. Prove something, and then I'll take you seriously. All right, and the, the guy again. The next hire that we have is the guy that I thought was gonna be the Mets' uh, new manager. It just Seemed like it was going that way. It was printing towards this way. And that's Craig Council. He was the manager for the Milwaukee Brewers since 2015. Uh, his contract expired at the, at the end of this past season. So he was a you know free agent, to use that term. He could go anywhere. And this is going to be one where you got to kind of listen, because this was a wild saga, even for me. Like It was rumored that at one point yesterday, Craig Council had made a decision on where he was going to manage. It was speculated that it was either going to be back in Milwaukee, where he's been since 2015, and, you know, he also grew up in Wisconsin. He was a Brewers fan. His dad worked for the Brewers uh, as the director of the Speakers Pro and Community Relations at one point in time. Uh, he played for the Brewers a couple stints, including his last four years in his career. Like, he is not necessarily Milwaukee through and through, but he is, you know, as Milwaukee as they come, I guess, to say that. Um but again, free agent can look anywhere he wanted to. And again, it was speculated he was going to be either the Mets or the Brewers. And then it came out, there was a report that he has made a decision. He's going to a team that still has a manager. And it's like, so this, like, it seems, I don't know how this works exactly. Like, I'm not in the hiring position that these baseball officers have. But I feel like it's tampering a bit, even though, like, he's under contract, but you're interviewing him for a position that's not open yet. And, like, if he says no, and, you know, that leaks out somehow, that's like, hey, this team was interviewing for this manager. And, again, teams know how to, you know, they hire firms and whatnot to make sure the stuff does not get out. But, like, it could have been really bad if it, like, he's like, oh, they were interviewing this guy. He didn't get the job. But then if you're the current guy, you're like, okay, so they were trying to um, one-up me here. Like, I'm not good enough. And that is the Chicago Cubs. They had David Ross, who we've just mentioned, you know, former player, uh, won a World Series with Chicago, also was a member of the Red Sox in 13 when they won the World Series. They had two-time World Series champ as a player. Uh, again, he was a fine manager, not too 
flashy um, with, you know, when he was with the Cubs. But, like, last year, they were struggling for most of the season. And then at the end of the career, it got – it didn't the season, excuse me. They were on a trend upwards to where they were fighting for a playoff spot um, up until the last week of the season to where I thought they might get in, actually. Um, but now instead they go hiring cross or division rival Craig Council, who, again – I mean, I know Dalton was going on about, you know, hiring division rivals or teams that are rivals. Happens all the time in sports. Not a new concept whatsoever here. Um, we just, like last week, we were, we were talking about um, the Padres guy going to San Francisco, uh, Bob Melvin. Like, he left to go to a division rival. Like, it, it, just the second time this offseason. Um, and Craig Council is now the highest paid manager in professional baseball with a uh, five year, $40 million deal. And again, if you're Chicago, it's worth it for you. This guy's won five. He's been in the playoffs five of the last six seasons um, with the Brewers. And sure, the post success, it's not there. Um, but you got to believe. Like, they haven't won a post in the series. I mean, since his 2018 run when they made it to NLCS. Um, that was you know, just years on the job. But lately, they've been bowing out. Like, this year was the wild card round. Last year, missed the playoffs. A couple of D, uh, NLDSs. Then, like, the wild card round when it was a one-game format. But... Okay, if you're Chicago, I get it. You want to be aggressive. You're resetting the market per se. Like, we saw some basketball. Maybe it's not a good analogy, but, like, um, we saw Detroit just go after Monty Williams and just money whip him. It's like, here's a lot of money. Come manage our team. And Monty's a fine coach, but, like, he's going there. They're paying him a lot of money. Same thing with Council. And, you know, he thinks he's worth the money, and I always say you're worth as much as someone's going to pay for you. So they decide to, hey, we're going to pay you. All of this money come manager club, and yeah, at the end of the day, money talks. Like it's an easy decision to where, like, yeah, you stay in Milwaukee where you're, you love the team, you love the city, um, and you could continue there. And again, did he go to Milwaukee and say, hey, try to match this, or was he out the door? We may never know the answer to that, but congratulations to him and his agent, I guess, whoever negotiated that deal to get him the highest paid manager in baseball, and the Cubs. It's a risky move, but I think this move's going to pay off because I think Council's a really good manager. Um, and for Milwaukee, like I get, they're going to be jaded for this for at least some time that their manager left for a division rival. And that first time Chicago comes to Milwaukee, I'm expecting it to be a lot of booze because of just how bad that um, it kind of ended not really amicably. Uh, and certain fans, like, that's just how fans are. They're going to boo you when you come back there. Um it's just probably what's going to happen there because they made the playoffs this year and they lost to the Diamondbacks, who, like I said, they made the World Series, uh, but it is what it is there. But, uh, Dalton, uh, your thoughts on Craig Council, me the name, the next manager for the Chicago Cubs? Uh, I mean, look, that's – I mean, it's it's probably probably a good move. I mean, he's he's been, he's been, he's been the manager uh, to win that division the past few years. So, I mean, it's – you know they've. I I thought you know, the Cubs absolutely just. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They just did much better than expected for this season, um, with the roster that they had. Um, so I didn't really expect David Ross to get fired. I thought that he was going to have another year, but um, yeah, I guess after you know a few years. If you're not producing the results that they want, they being 
the owners and the management, it's, it's time to go. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's we'll see. I mean, they just we'll have to, to see how how this one how, how this one plays out. I'm kind of kind of curious, um, just because again, you know. Milwaukee Brewers roster and the Cubs roster. I, I thought that they were two different, two different rosters. Um, and um, you know, it, it's should he should he continue that success? I will see. I mean, probably, but you know, again, it's it's one of those things where it's just it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a brand new team. There's you know, maybe certain certain things that you're not going to be able to do in Chicago that you were able to do in Milwaukee. Um, I, I'm not sure, but you know, this is this is going to be a new team, so it's you know, we'll we'll have to see if he picks up picks back up where he left off. All right, Christian, your thoughts on the Cubs uh, basically firing David Ross and promoting and hiring away Craig Council? Um. I mean, Cubs are gonna stink anyway. Go Reds! Um, <laughs> like the Cubs, like Cubs want to make their moves and they want to be aggressive and they want to be like them. The Bears, the Bulls, they, they just want to live in the past, man, and that's okay. And they just want to make aggressive moves and big moves to have the media look upon them uh, in a bright light in the sports world. Uh, they're dog crap. Uh, I do not care. I like the. I think the White Sox have more momentum than the Cubs. Um, so yeah. And Cubs can do what what they want, but they're just not going to be good. So, what can you do? All right. All right. Thank you, Christian, for that. That's our uh, baseball managerial recap. There's a few teams left. The Brewers just now opening up. Uh, the Angels, the Astros, the Padres. When those jobs get filled, we will obviously give our thoughts on that. Free agency is also starting, um, like, the open to kind of negotiate. I don't know who, like, how many guys we're going to necessarily break down, like, the moves. And baseball tends to move really slow with Francie anyway. Uh, but we are definitely going to discuss Shohei Otani, whether he's going back to the Angels or somewhere else next year. That is definitely on the docket whenever Shohei Otani signs because uh, he is just one of the premier players of baseball. And any other big-name guys, if they change teams, we will discuss that. Uh, but to everyone's probably their favorite part of the show, the uh, part that most people like to listen to, the NFL. And I, I got to start here with a little bit of background. Like, I sometimes we go get background noise, like some stuff that happens off scene. So, like, last week we're recording. It's Tuesday night, Halloween. Uh, we're doing the show. Hey, it's a three-hour episode. If you listen to all three hours, thank you so much for that. We appreciate you for doing that. But, again, like, we hit every point we need to make, and it's about 1230 or so. I'm editing I get the show edited correctly, post it. Uh, I'll I tweet out and post it on Instagram in the morning. But it, nonetheless, the podcast is out around, you know, let's say 12.45, 12.50. I'm laying in bed, and like 1 o'clock, I'm just kind of scrolling through Twitter as I normally do. And again, it's 1 o'clock. I'm trying to go to sleep a little bit, but also not. And I see coming across a tweet from a guy named Adam Scheffler, and it says that, the Raiders have parted ways with Dave, Dave Ziegler, their GM, and Josh McDaniels, their head coach. And I was taking it back. I was like, this is happening now. Like, second night in a row, because if you remember last Monday night, going into so Tuesday, early Tuesday morning Eastern, you had the James Harden trade that broke, where it's like, 
what the hell's going on in the middle of the night? James Harden's traded to the LA Clippers. We discussed that on last week's episode. If you missed it, feel free to tune into that. But now, this is again, 1 o'clock Eastern, just about 12 Central. Again, they're out in Vegas, so it's nine, it's uh, 10 o'clock there. But nonetheless, you see the news. It's like, Dr. Dales is being fired right now. And I, I sent a text to you guys. I'm like, this is like a new record for us. For like, We joke, obviously, breaking news happens the next day after we put an episode out. This is like 30 minutes, like not even 30 minutes after we ended last week's episode that McDaniel's being fired. And this is insane. Like, it was going so poorly in Las Vegas that there was speculation that, you know, Devontae Adams might want out, might want to get traded. And also, if you don't remember, the trade deadline was last Tuesday, too. They wait till after the deadline. The team made no moves. And then Mark Davis is like, we're firing our GM and head coach right now. Like, you didn't know they get the roster better or worse. You stay put. I'm cutting bait with you guys. And that's that. The thing for McDaniels is he somehow lasted fewer games here in Las Vegas than he did when he was with the Denver Broncos back in 2010. Like, he was there for a year and a half, and he managed less games with the Vegas Las Vegas Raiders and that's even adding in a 17th game in the schedule in 2022. And it get, and I got to give credit to Dalton Christian here. Before the season, we did NFL predictions. And I said, hey, let's do a first coach fire just to see what happens here. Um, who do you guys say? And you both said McDaniels. And I was like, you know, he's in year two. Like, I don't know if he'll get fired. It's fairly midseason. Mark Davis is not messing around. He's like, we got to do this right now. And, again, I know this happened before the game. Like, everyone knows this news happened. But um, we still – it warrants being talked about. And also giving you guys your credit for successfully predicting that – who the first coach fired. Christian has two years in a row for you. Hey, you are coach, you are the coach killer, Christian. I don't know what it is uh, with you there. Matt LaFour, watch uh, out. Yeah, so uh, do, do not see Belichick next year if he's still a manager. I, I don't want that. But, uh, nonetheless, anyway, just uh, – it was an untenable situation there where um, – and now Las Vegas is paying – they're still paying for John Gruden because coaching salaries is fully guaranteed, and they're going to be paying Josh McDaniels the next four years because he has a six-year contract when he signed with them. So you're going to pay these guys not to coach. Um, it's 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 wild. I love being – like, ex-coaches make the most money. Like, that's a dream job because you get paid not to do your job. You're going to pay not to work, but that's what it is. Um, maybe the least surprising thing the way the season was going was – McDaniel's not making it to the end of the season. Uh, but nonetheless, Dalton, your thoughts, reaction, when you saw that both uh, McDaniel's and Dave Ziegler are out in Las Vegas after not even two years. I'm not even shocked. Like, I was just I, – I'm not even shocked. Because, I mean, just look at the roster and tell me that there's not another coach better than McDaniel's that could do their job much better than they could. Like, it's – okay. And also, like – History tends to repeat itself. So if he failed with Denver in the uh, same division, you know, 10, 15 years earlier, who's to say he's not going to fail again? Same division, different team. And historically, like, you know, there have been a few Raider coaches that have had success. Other than that, it's like, miss, miss. Miss, you know, I just, I'm not sure why people thought that it was going to work out. Because, like, if you really think about it, like, it's just, 
something about it. It just it just feels like McDaniel's was meant to be a coordinator, and that's it. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just it's just some people are not meant to be head coaches. It's just not in the cards for them. You know, they're just not meant to be successful head coaches. And you know, that's okay. That's okay. You're a lifetime coordinator. You're a longtime coordinator. You're gonna go back to New England, get on that staff, and that's it. Like that, I feel, I, I I firmly believe that that's going to be McDaniel's next next destination, back to Foxborough. Um, and you know, as for the GM, they they've had they've had a few misses, a few misses, and you know, with the Raiders, it's kind of, you know. They're going to give you maybe a few years to, well, less than two years in this instance, but, you know, not that many years. The patience is not very high, and that kind of reflects the organization as a whole and how they've been for the, oh, for the entire time that they've been in, in pretty much, like, existing. Oh, I mean, they're going to go out and they're going to make moves. They bring in Devontae Adams, and so you've got this guy who's – you know, one of the best wide receivers of all time. And he's not performing to the level, to uh, the uh, the um, performance that he's supposed to have. Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, aside from this past game, um, which we may or may not get into, he has been disappearing. I mean, this guy is, you know, it's... I think with what they had on the roster, it just... And Josh McDaniels being the coaching for like the offensive side, it, it just wasn't matching. It just wasn't doing very, very good at all. Um, so I'm not, I'm not shocked by this move at all. All right, Christian, your thoughts on Las Vegas making McDaniels the first coach fire this year? Um, obviously, I'm not shocked because I had predicted this one right. And, and look, Josh McDaniels. Nobody wants coaches to fail. Nobody wants players to fail. But this is a guy who didn't do well in Denver. The Tim Tebow experiment and all the hype and after that, when he became the head coach, they flopped. And, yes, when he started off, I think he was like 6-0, and and he was just abysmal since then. He is a fine coordinator, and that's a lot of people like Dalton alluded to. Not everybody's a head coach. Not everybody can lead the troops – very well in certain circumstances. And uh, we haven't gotten to this, but there was a meeting, The I believe it was the Thursday before the Monday night football game they had against the Lions. And pretty much it was a venting session. Max Crosby, Devontae Adams, Jimmy Garoppolo, any and all players and staff could talk about the current situation of the Raiders. Just vent out everything. And Josh McDaniels, the... I don't want to destroy his character because his character is probably a high character. But after being just verbally destroyed, he did not want to go up and kind of talk about his situation. He let Alexander Pierce, who, not Alexander, uh, but Pierce, the new head coach for the new interim coach, excuse me, for the Las, uh, Las Vegas Raiders, what, you know, he, and what they pretty much stated is, you know, we have to, you know, we got to be, you know, the right culture. We have to have this right culture and build build our team up. And he mentions, he mentions the New England Patriots team that lost in the Super Bowl. Sorry, Spencer. 
to the New York Giants in the helmet catch and everything, right? Unraveling the undefeated season. And after all that stuff, everybody left. McDaniel's like, don't you ever talk about the Patriots. Why are you still thinking about the Patriots? You are the Las Vegas Raiders head coach. Forget about the past, all right? Everybody doesn't – everybody, you know, wants to throw you out of the building. Nobody wanted Josh to return. And we have t- we have seen this, and we're going to talk about that game later on. Somebody should. This game is, is a totally different team, totally different organization since he left. That's how much of a cancer that these players and coaches felt like McDaniels was. And – you know, I, I'm not shocked about the situation. He's probably going to be a quarterback's coach, maybe, in New England next year because Bill Belichick, you know, he loves to bring his own coaches back. But isn't it kind of funny how coaches under Bill Belichick, they just go out and they just fail on a dime? Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Josh McDaniel, you know, Bill Belichick, greatest coach. His tree is seriously, it has, it has no stems. It is just a straight up and down tree because he's not sharing, you know, he's not sharing his ideology with his guys. Just do it the Patriot way. That's not every single organization. That's not every single culture. And when the Patriot way was established, it was back in the 90s, early 2000s, where fullbacks still mattered. Blocking tight ends were a big thing. Wide receivers, you know, great wide receivers were usually a dime a dozen and tremendous quarterbacks who can be very athletic, they're a dime a dozen. Who, who does McDaniel have to deal with? Derek Carr, who's mad athletic ability. Jimmy Garoppolo, who has mad athletic ability. Come on. you don't. It, it's just Josh McDaniels is probably thinking of his team the old Patriot way. That's not football in 2023. Good riddance. Good luck in New England. If you your butt hurt so bad about him, go back into New England and be a quality control coach. I mean that's just that's just the way it is. And Raiders, they I, how I'm seeing this team, they can absolutely make a playoff push. I mean, the last time they fired a coach midseason, they made a playoff. I guess different circumstances. Yeah. I was doing the John the John Gruden stuff there, uh, but they did make the playoffs with an interim coach, uh, Rich Fasatia. Uh, maybe history repeats itself. We'll see what happens there. Obviously. Uh, other news, this from this past Sunday, Daniel Jones, his first game back. I do feel bad. Like, I, I will rip on Daniel Jones as a player I because I don't think he's that good. Uh, that's Again, that's my opinion on the matter. But you never want to see a guy tear his ACL. Like that, that's an unfortunate situation uh, for him, especially because he had missed time with a neck injury. Um, that it cost him to miss some time. He comes back, and in the first quarter uh, – it, so it appears like in the first quarter he injures his knee best between quarters, so they didn't really like know what was going on. And I guess he was sitting there. He's like, I can get, give it a go. Second quarter, like the very first time he drops back, his knee's buckling. Yeah, you know right there. Like I don't even paint the picture anymore. Like he falls to the ground. It, he's like you know he's done. He's done. He, everyone knows he's done. Like you see it with quarterbacks, especially any type of player. ACL, Achilles, uh, big injuries. Yeah, you know. We used to see it. Uh, the MRI obviously confirms the next day. Yeah, torn ACL. You're done for the season. It, it, it sucks. I do feel bad for the guy. Uh, but you know, one thing that that is has with the NFL is that contracts are guaranteed for injury. So he is not getting. He signed a nice contract last off season. Um, 
So Zelensky can make his money because of the injury, uh, which it sucks that he is injured because of this Giants team, while they weren't going anywhere necessarily, in my opinion, they it's still you don't want to lose a quarterback this late this season. Especially like we talked last with Kirk Cousins. It sucked he got injured, but it was before the trade deadline, so they swung a deal for Josh Dobbs. We will get to that. Someone I know will mention that uh in this episode with Josh Dobbs. But now, like, who are you going to go get out, like, right now? You can't rely on Tommy DeVito. He, he's just not it. Like, he really isn't. Um, and they quarterback went off the market earlier today to go be a backup somewhere else. I know we'll get to that in a second. I don't know. Is Colt McCoy still available? I think he is. Maybe Colt McCoy uh, makes his way to the Giants. I know they signed a guy on a practice squad earlier today. It, it's the unfortunate situation for Brian Dable. Uh, and, again, I hope that there it's not a quick trigger in New York, because they made the playoffs last year, but we've seen coaches like Ben Mackey made the playoffs. He's gone the next year because it, it went south with him there. And you're hoping that, you know, again, Brian Dibble is there's a lot of credit with whatever happens this year. Um, but again, losing a court to the 28th scale, it just it sucks and it's not easy to recover when you when it's the guy that you view internally as a franchise guy. Uh, Dolan, to you next, your uh, thoughts, reaction when you saw. The news that Daniel Jones towards ACL will miss the remainder of the season. Uh, again, you know, it is just you know the same thing as as you. I mean, it really it really sucks. Um, hey, just it just it just is not good. Obviously, I just have I just have massive concerns with these non-contact injuries. I mean, that's. I mean, we're almost, if not already, we're almost to double digits for that. Like, these lower body injuries that are just, you know, taking these guys, missing them, you know, you know, they're either, they're either missing, you know, the whole season or, um, you know, multiple weeks. Um, it's like a real issue. I mean, it was. I mean, really, it, like it would be. It would be like um, a another thing if like these guys were coming in contact with other players. But it's like they're dropping back and then they're getting hurt. It's like it's something. Something's got to give here. Like we're we can't just like ignore this. Like, like I, I figure, like eventually somebody has to be like, "Hey, like we." Kirk Cousins just dropped back and tore his Achilles. Aaron Rodgers just dropped back, normal drop back, and tore his Achilles. Daniel Jones ACL. Like I know they're low, they're low body injuries. I know that you know football is a contact sport and it's bound to happen. But come on, come on, come on now. This is, it's either. It's either the field or we're talking about the way that these players get in shape, bands and all. It's one of those two things or something completely different because that is insane. That is insane. And these players are supposed to are these players are supposed to be in tip top shape. Like we believe that they're in tip top shape. I believe that they're in tip top shape. These NFL players, I believe that they're in one of the finer, uh, I guess, like, shape and, like, conditions between the four major sports. And these injuries are happening like this, and it just doesn't make any sense to me. I just don't, I, I don't, I don't get it. 
but you know, good luck on the recovery. Um, with that, you know, he's, you know, it's a good thing he got that guaranteed contract because uh, he's gonna, you know, he's still getting paid. But I mean, it's it sucks, man. I just, uh, I, I, it's it's incredibly intriguing to me why why this sort of thing just keeps happening. But um, you know, I, it's crazy to think about for sure. All right, Christian, your thoughts, reaction to the the unfortunate news that Daniel Jones will miss time for the torn ACL. Uh, it's kind of funny, honestly, just to see New York uh, in this manner anyway. And respect to Daniel Jones, and obviously it sucks that his season has come to an end, but this is exactly what you get, uh, in my personal belief. Like, New York overall, uh, it, like this organization is just desperate for a mediocre quarterback, and that's what they always get. Um, and Daniel Jones, who's – you know, he's okay. Like, he had a fine season last year. Let's go to Saquon Barkley. And it's great for Daniel because he has all the money in the world. He is pretty much a professional thief for screwing New York out of so much money. And he's going to be, you know, he's going to be recovering from this ACL injury. And who knows if he is actually going to um, uh, play in the beginning of the season next year. So, in my personal belief, New York – they are probably going to go after quarterback. How can you not? How can you not go after quarterback? Having Daniel Jones, who before this injury, he, you know, he had neck injuries. He had back injuries. He had, you know, he was just injured ever since he got paid. And when he did play, he was terrible. He was got, he was got awful. He threw a 99 yard pick six. He was terrible for the New York Giants. They put Tyrod Taylor in and oh my gosh, this team is so much different. This team has more energy. It has more class. And when he gets hurt, Tommy DeVito. You got Tommy DeVito playing for you. And you have negative nine net passing yards. My answer is just, just keep Tyrod Taylor. Get Saquon Barkley. Give them the cash. Give them the money who have actually shown up and done a great job. We all forget Tyrod Taylor brought Buffalo into a playoff game. Tyrod Taylor was the guy in Buffalo before Josh Allen. And we want to we want to go with Duke Blue Devil, Daniel Jones, one-hit wonder boy, like Mitchell Trubisky, who's a bench warmer for Pittsburgh when he played at North Carolina. These little blue bloods can't even do a damn thing. I like, I'm glad I picked the Panthers in the NFC South, and that has gone well. But thank goodness I didn't pick them in the NFC East with loaded Philly and loaded Dallas. And yes, it is a little shot, but I just think it's funny. I never thought this team would be great. I never thought Daniel Jones would be any much or just any better than what is expected of him. As a first-round pick, number eight overall, you need to play so much better. And he hasn't even played like a third-round pick. There's Mr. Irrelevant, who is in the seventh round. Yes, with great talent in San Francisco. He's playing better than them, right? We have fourth-round Kirk Cousins playing better than you. We have – I'm trying to think of anybody not in the first round who is doing eccentric right now. Gardner Minshew, he's having a fun job right now in Indianapolis with a whole bucket of scraps. And Daniel Jones can't do anything. And, yes, the Giants, they need to play better overall. 
They need just a new quarterback there. It, this is like a Jamarcus Russell situation where, I mean, of course he's watching the tape and he's trying, but he's just not the quarterback everyone thought he was going to be. So it sucked for him that he's got this injury. The Giants are going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft this year. You got to look at Drake May. You got to look at uh, maybe Michael Penix or Bo Nix. You got to look at guys who have been in the college, who have played the college game for more than a year, have played in big games, and risen to moments. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, next, I'm just going to go straight to Dalton with this one and only Dalton uh, for this segment. Uh, but the Rams, they made a, a signing. I know last week, uh, it wasn't two weeks ago, maybe both, you were crushing the, the Rams quarterback um, room because uh, Stafford, obviously, tore an injury, was not going to play. And again, I know you both because it was Packers and the Rams. You guys will cover that game. But obviously, the quarterback room is very banged up and very inexperienced now. That you guys went out and got a guy that was on an MVP run uh, before his career. Uh, Carson Wentz to the LA Rams. Um, the guy that was – you had the first pick in the draft. You took uh, Jared Goff. Wentz goes to – now Wentz is your current backup, uh, assuming Stafford's back. But, Dalton, the floor is yours. Uh, I'm done preambling. How do you feel about the signing? I feel that, you know, this was kind of just – this was this was like a few weeks too late, in my opinion. It, it, just, it, just, it just didn't seem like, you know, I guess now you make this move, okay, fine. But, hey, you know, you probably should have done it like, I don't know, a few weeks ago. Like when, when you first see that Stafford's getting hurt um, and you don't have a viable backup. Stetson Bennett's nowhere to be found. Brett Rippon is awful. Um, and, you know, you wait until after this game that happened this past week and be like, you know what? I think that we should go and go out and sign a quarterback. Yeah, no, no way. You're, you're just, now you want to do it. Okay, that's cool. All right, so now he's gonna go back to be, and he's gonna be the backup now. All right, so we've got a better quarterback than Brett Rippon. I can only hope. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see how the rest of the season works out. Now, he just—he's the backup. So now I know that I, I feel a sense of security, just a little bit, with. Carson Wentz as the backup quarterback because who knows if Stafford's going to play every game from this point on, um, you know, for the rest of the season. All right. Thank you, Dalton, for that. And now on to our week nine recap, starting first with our favorite teams. Um, Since you guys went head to head, I'll go first and then we'll throw to you to you guys to recap that game. Uh, but the Patriots at home taking on the Washington Commanders. And this is a game that I, I this is maybe the last time I, I will feel confident in the Patriots this year. Because going in like last week, the Commanders, they trade away their two best pass, ru- pass rushers 
Montez Sweat, Chase Young. And it's like, okay, I feel good. Like, there's going to be no pressure on Mac Jones. Mac Jones was going to have time in the pocket. He can find DeMario Douglas, among others. We'll be fine. Maybe low scoring, which is what it ended up being uh, in the grand scheme of things. And I, I debated, but then it was like, well, Chase Young was kind of a, uh, you know, bad locker room fit. And also not lived up to his expectations that he normally had um, with uh, the Washington Commanders when he was taking second overall a few years back. Uh, the Commanders go up 10 nothing early in the second quarter. And when that happened, I was like, okay, that's ball game. Like, we ain't coming back. It's 10 nothing. I don't care if it's Washington. This team has not shown any fight all year to come back from a deficit uh, of double digits. Because we have been week one, week two, where they're getting down double digits. This is when they scored two touchdowns in a little over three minutes. Uh, first one being Hunter Henry, 14-yard touchdown pass. And then on the next drive, Stevenson busted a 64-yard touchdown run, which basically virtually untouched on that play. Um, and we're up 14-10 going in a half. I was like, this team's winning a game? Like, I was surprised just given that they had erased the deficit. Uh, but it's 17-10 to with Rylands making a field goal. And then how how looked fantastic. Like the stat line maybe doesn't do that much justice. We look at 29 to 45, but 325 yards, a touchdown, which he threw to Jahan Dotson, uh, 33 yards out with 651, uh, tie it up. And that's in the third quarter. Then Joey Sly makes a field goal into the third quarter. Fourth quarter, there was no score. Back and forth. I thought commanders were gonna score at least once there. Um, and Mac Jones, to his credit, like I will I crush the guy a lot because he has just not lived up to, you know. 15th overall pick, first round expectations that you have on a guy, especially because it's year three, you expected a leap, especially with a competent OC and Bill O'Brien. But you're getting outdoored by Sam Howell. Like Sam Howell, fifth round pick. I know at one point projected to go first round, maybe even as high as first overall. Uh, but their quarterback class is a weak quarterback class, which is why Howell flipped to the fifth round. Um, and I, I thought, like, Eric Bienemy, what he's doing with Sam Howell. There's the tools are there with Hal. It's just maybe not. He's overthrowing guys at times, and you can tell he's a young player. But the potential is there. Like I, I keep going with Sam Howell. I think there's a potential there to be very good. But on the last possession for New England, Mac throws the ball to Juju, and it's in Juju's hands. It goes right through his hands. He can't come down with it, and it's picked off, intercepted. And I got to give him. Like, that interception is not necessarily Mac Jones' fault, but there's a hell of a lot that has been Mac's fault. So, I'm not blaming Mac necessarily for this loss. It's a team loss. Like, they just didn't execute in the fourth quarter. Like, that last play, Juju, you got to catch it, man. We're paying you a lot of money. We let Jacoby walk to get you. And you just can't do that. Like, Juju's been non-existent all season. Uh, Like, I don't know. Like, we're in Germany next week. Take on the Colts. I have no faith in that. Uh, Going well whatsoever. And like I play the young guys. Like I don't even care at this point. Like play some of the young receivers. Like Kayshawn Booty who had a great first game, but then he's been non-existing. He's been on the uh inactive list every single week since uh not getting two feet in bounce week one. Like go younger. Like at least try to salvage something out of this season. But nonetheless, the Patriots fall twenty to seventeen, fall to two and seven on the year. Um just dysfunction uh this season. But nonetheless, to the Rams and Packers game. First with the winners, the uh, Green Bay Packers. Christian, your perspective on the showdown in Lambeau Field between 
Brett Ripley and Jordan Love, the Mountain West battle. Oh my gosh, Green Bay got a win? Holy smokes, my brother. I had, like, even though I picked my Green Bay Packers to beat Dalton's LA Rams, and look, it wasn't a contest. We knew it from the beginning whistle. Green Bay just owns LA. We just do. We're just better than the Rams. Yes, we haven't made a super, you know, they made a Super Bowl more than we have, you know, in recent memory for sure. And we haven't been since 2011. But that doesn't matter when it's one-on-one. Y'all already know, Green Bay, put out the cheese hats. Get the cheese hats. Come on. Come on, the cheese heads. Let's go. Let's go, baby. And look, I I did not watch this game because of a couple of reasons. One, I didn't want to fall asleep in front of my TV. It is exactly what happened. And number two, I was a little busy with the family. If you guys follow my Instagram, follow me at ChristianEarn60. You guys are going to be in well of a surprise come Christmas. It is going to be fan-diddly-tastic. I assure you that. So, looking at this game from the highlights and from uh, the box score, it, it was an interesting game just because, yes, Green Bay actually scored in the first half, which I know, shocker. You know, we scored with you know a couple seconds into the second quarter. But, hey, we scored. Aaron Jones, thank you for scoring in the daggum first half for the Green Bay Packers. And then we just go, pun, 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 miss field goals, fumbles. I'm like, we're going to give this game to the L.A. Rams. We're giving this game to the worst NFC team not named the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers. And, yeah, well, Arizona, they're just not even a team. We're, we're just they're, – they're a little league right now. So, the Rams – we, we're better, man. I'm just saying we're better. We're better. Now, yes, if they had Matthew Stafford, if they had Carson Wentz, but no, if they had Brett Ripon. That's who they had in Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. We got the dub, man. And, I mean, this is I'm this is the only time I'm actually going to be surprised and actually love my Packers for winning the football game. Because, honestly, looking at the schedule, we're probably going to win, like, two more games, three more games max. You know, like, we're not going to go super far. If we upset teams, you know, the Chargers, Chiefs later on down the line, you know, let's, you know, again, try to beat Minnesota with Josh Dobbs, maybe. But I just doubt where Green Bay is headed. And we're just going to be in the top ten of the NFL draft. So I'm going to take this victory to heart. This is an amazing victory. This is probably the best win of the year. This is the third, and it's probably going to be the best because we already own Chicago. But at the end of the day, the Green Bay Packers are the better team. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, uh, Christian, for that. Dalton, the, uh, the losing side of this battle, your perspective as a Rams fan on the Rams-Packers game this past Sunday at Lambeau. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. You know, I, some things I just – I'm just I'm just not shocked. I'm just really not. Uh, it's just the Rams, once it gets to like, you know, they have to play Green Bay in November or cold weather. It just, they just, they, they, they can't do it. They just forget how to play football. Um, Green Bay's what, in their last four matchups, going back to 2020, Green Bay's 4-0 against, against the Rams, all of which being at Lambeau. So that's. You know that's a, certainly a good recipe for success. Getting getting that warm weather team in the cold, 
It's quite the advantage. And, uh, you know, good for them. Congratulations. Congratulations. I said last week I would come on the pod and give a congratulations to the victor. So congratulations for the win. Um, yeah, I mean, Brett River was awful. I mean, he was, he was absolutely garbage. Um, he was... <laughs> I get, I get making the joke that my sister could play better quarterback than than he could at that point. I mean, he just the man. <laughs> I remember one play, he fumbled the snap, and instead of falling on it, when the rush was ensuing, like you're talking about two Packers guys just running at him, and you know, it was it was gonna be it was gonna be oh no kind of situation. The man tries to throw it and just absolutely, you know, spoiler, he doesn't get it anywhere. It causes a turnover. So instead of falling on the ball and keeping the ball, keeping possession, the man freaking throws, tries to throw it and turns it over. So, you know, that just, that just one play that summed up the entire game. So it's just, you know, whatever. It's, it's fine. Moving on to the next game, I guess. Um, I just, yeah, I'm not going to try to go on too long about it. So, good job. Now, you know, moving on to the next game. All right. Thank you, Dalton, for that. Uh, Now, the superlatives, the game of the week, starting with our buddy Christian. Christian, what was your game of the week for this past week of the NFL season? It has to be the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Dallas Cowboys in Philly. I mean, it was an incredible game. Now, yes, we previewed this game. I did pick the Dallas Cowboys because Philadelphia, as we've seen in the games against Washington, they're very close in these divisional games. And Washington, we we view, and of course, record shows, they're a lesser team. So I was thinking Philadelphia is going to slip up against Dallas. And honestly, they could have. If you watch that game, it was a shootout in the beginning. Three and out, three and out to Dallas, Philly gets a touchdown. Dallas gets a touchdown, Philly goes three and out. And it goes back and forth. They tie it up at 14. And then Dallas at halftime go up 17. And then Philadelphia, they came back. They had two scoring drops. And they're up 28-17 at one point. And then for the last three drives the Dallas Cowboys had, Dak Prescott did everything that he could do well. He put his guys in the best position he can. And they almost won this game. And he probably should have won this game in some instances. In the first drive they had, the first of the three, they get all the way to about, I believe it was the five-yard line. They throw it in, and they threw it out to the tight end. The tight end caught the ball. His knee hit the ground. While he got the ball, you know, he was touched. He was rolled down by contact, and it was at the centimeter line. Not the one, not the one-yard line, the one-centimeter yard line. He – centimeter line, excuse me, not yard line, whatever. Anyway – it got turnover on downs. Dallas didn't have anything. Then the next drive, Dallas scores. They score a touchdown, and they go for a two-point conversion. Dak Prescott at the three-yard line steps out of bounds. The two-point was no good. So instead of a three-point game you have for Dallas, you now have a five-point game. And Philadelphia in the second half was not good. They marched on the field kind of. But they didn't do anything. They didn't score after the last two touchdowns in a row in the entire fourth quarter. They were outgained by 116 yards. It was incredible how Philadelphia 
just absolutely fell on itself. And this is how they showed against the New York Jets. This is how they played against the Commanders. Is They're just very hit and miss at times. As I've mentioned, they are a functioning alcoholic of a team. So, in the final drive, and several penalties helped Dallas with pass interferences, defensive holdings, you know, roughing a passer. So many penalties got Dallas into Philly territory. They at least got down to the six-yard line. And then they had holding penalties. They had a delay of game. Dak Prescott took a sack. They had an opportunity to win this game, and they sadly did not get it done. Now, on the, four, on the very last play of the game, Dak Prescott throws it to CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee catches it at the three-yard line, did not get it in. So it was an incredible game to watch. I will definitely take the L. Dallas Cowboys are a very good team, but when it matters most, they cannot get it done. So Philadelphia, congratulations. The functioning alcoholic of the NFC South are eight and one. They were nine and I think they were nine or ten and zero last year before they lost to the Commanders, and that team looked dominant. It looked consistent. That offense had some gumption. It was the best team in the NFL. I don't even know if they're the best team in the NFC right now. I really don't. You know, can Detroit be really good? Can San Francisco bounce back? Right now, the AFC, there's like four or five AFC teams that honestly have a shot of winning the Super Bowl more than the NFC this year. The best team in the NFC, they kind of hit and miss right now. But congratulations to Philadelphia being the Dallas Cowboys. That was my game of the week. Thank you, Christian, for that. For my game of the week, it's a game that admittedly only caught the tail a little bit just because, you know, local listings and everything. But when the game got to the end, it showed this game, and it was a beautiful ending. Like, the last few minutes, all I saw it, it was enough to make that game my game of the week. Um, The Houston Texans and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a game that featured a running back kicking a field goal. Yes, a running back kicking a field goal because the uh, starting uh, kicker, Kymie Fairbairn, got injured. Uh, I believe it was a quadricep injury. Could not finish the game. So they had had their backup kicker. uh, You know, the running back had a kick, and he ended up kicking a 29-yard field goal at one point with 8.45 to go in the game to give the Texans the lead. But you also knew that when Houston was scoring touchdowns, uh, they were just not – they were going for two because they had to. Like, uh, they were not going to let them kick a 33-yard PAT um, with the injury. But, again, the Texas – or, yeah, the Buccaneers, excuse me, they got in front early, 17 7 20-10. Um, and, they, again, they kept going for two because, like I said, they had to uh, with the injury there. They're down uh, – they took the lead early in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter just a wild – Fourth quarter, 17 to 14 was the score. Houston, uh, with that to the point where you know Baker Mayfield finds Kate Otten with uh 46 seconds to go, uh, to take the lead there 37 33. And behind the scenes, a bit I'm in a group chat with a guy who's a Bucks fan, and as soon as he has, he's like Baker MF Mayfield, um. Just what is going on? Like Baker Mayfield, he's been critical, but in that moment came through. Uh, but you gave 46 seconds left for C.J. Stroud, who was having the game of his life in his short career. Um, 
and again, you don't want to go like declarative necessarily, but he all but locked up rookie of the year for the offensive side of the ball with his performance on um, Sunday. Like he was already the favorite right now, but you go 30 and 42, 470 yards, 70 rookie record, five touchdown passes, also a rookie record for a quarterback, including a game winning drive where you find Tank Dell in the end zone. And again, like I said, they had just kneeled it down because he had to. You win 39 37 because Tampa Bay just had a lateral play that went nowhere. Um, just a crazy ending. And again, I would not have picked the Texans and the Bucks to be my game of the week necessarily. Uh, but give credit where it's due. Like, Demeco Ryan's inherited a mess of a situation. A team that's on their fourth coach in four years because the last few guys have only got one year. Um, some justified, some not so justified. Uh, reasons for that. But Demeco Ryan's. He's killing it right now. Like they have a great hire. Uh, watch out, twenty twenty four AFC South, because the Texans are not going to be slouches uh, in that season. Uh, but no, that yeah, Texans Buccaneers, my game of the week. Dalton, what was your game of the week uh, for Week Nine of the NFL season? My game of the week is um, Vikings and Falcons. Yes, I'm talking about this. We're going to talk about Josh Dobbs for a minute. How about that, guys? How about that? Okay? You like that? We like that. Okay? That was a tribute to Kirk Cousins. Uh, And, uh, you know, I actually need to get one of those T-shirts that the Vikings uh, were wearing this past Sunday. And, uh, you know, and, you know, we're trying to really have their quarterback uh, in their minds and in their hearts that, you know, even though he's not playing on the team because of injuries, in the words of Phil Collins, you'll be in my heart. So, anyway, I think, you know, Josh Dobbs, what a terrific comeback. I mean, this guy is is absolute. He's absolute. He's, he's a baller. He's been balling. Excuse me. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, absolutely – just great performance. Um, I have to give credit where credit is due. Dobbs and McConnell, Kevin O'Connell, the head coach, and Josh Dobbs right down to the wire. Those guys were in sync. Um, and, you know, everybody was just doing their job. Just do your job, man. Get it done. And they got it done. What a – and, you know, not to mention it was, it was absolutely, you know – down to the very last second, Brandon Powell, uh, out of all the wide receivers, Brandon Powell is the one who catches the game-winning touchdown. Um, and, uh, you know, that is uh, – that's that's just great. Just great to see. Um, so, you know, uh, 31-28. Now the Vikings are 5-4. and four. You know, 4-1 four and one on the road. You want to talk about a road team. And so, you know, now, you know, you have to think, could this be, you know, are the Vikings, the Vikings, are, are they going to be playing in the playoffs with Josh Dobbs at quarterback? I don't know, man. I, I think, I think you really want to see it at this point. Uh, you know, after all of the, you know, they, they trade away Dalvin Gilker, you know, just let him go. Kirk Cousins gets hurt. Josh, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson's not playing because of injury as well. You think their season's over when they're, you know, 
three and four, and you reel off two straight. And man, you love to see it. So, and you know, I'm not even a freaking Vikings fan. I know Christian probably doesn't like to see it, but anyway, I digress. This is yeah, what 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 a freaking game. Um, you know, good job to the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, Josh Dobbs, the whole crew. Um, now you're moving on to the next week and man, who do they play for this week? Because I tell you what, they are just rolling with some kind of swagger right now. They play the Saints. Oh, this is going to be good. They're, 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 uh, playing the Saints back at home in Minneapolis. I think if you're just an NFL fan in general, you got to be somewhat cheering for the Vikings after what they've been through already this season and how they're just never say die mentality. So good for them. My game of the week, Vikings Falcons. All right. Thank you, Dalton, for that. Next up, our player of the week for this past week of the NFL season. And for me, it's got to be Kenny Moore, the second. Like, I talked to C.J. Stroud. I don't, he probably would have been the pick any other week. Uh, but I, I try to be, you know, spread the love around the NFL and cover as much games as possible. Because uh, I did mention that his performance last week. But for me, Kenny Moore, the second for the Colts, he had not just two interceptions, but two interceptions returned for a touchdown. Uh, just the overall rough day for Bryce Young. He had three interceptions total. Um, but, yeah, it's not often you see a, a pick six, much less the same guy getting two pick sixes. Um, the first play happening at the end of the first half with a 49-yard pick six, and then in the um, the fourth quarter to start the fourth quarter is about a 66-yard interception return touchdown. Um, just those two pick sixes alone would have been the, the game-breaker because it was uh, – Panthers only scored 13 points um, on Sunday. Frank Reich does not get his revenge against his former employer, the Indianapolis Colts. They proved they made a good decision in firing you last year. Uh, poor old Frank Reich. But nonetheless, Kenny Moore the second just made Bryce Young's day miserable for the first overall pick this past year. Dalton, who was your player of the week this past week? I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud. You aren't going to go with C.J. Stroud because of your game of the week. I'm going to go with C.J. The man has an absolutely great performance. You mentioned it when you covered your game of the week. Five touchdowns, 470 passing yards. What a performance. Guys, guys playing with Nico Collins, Noah Brown, Tank Dell. These guys are players doing the best that they can. I, I mean, this is this Texans team. And, you know, I you know, I, I really have not asked uh one of my one of my buddies who's a Texans fan about this just yet. But I can tell you this, man. He's super pumped. He was super pumped on draft day when they got C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. Um, dude, they've got they've got a, a, a sick roster for being four and four, three and one at home. Houston at home is an absolute baller of a squad. You know, I think like on the road, they could, they could you know, it's it's just kind of. Uh, but you know, when you get Houston at home. They're just gonna play their tails off for their for their for their home fans, and they absolutely did. They had three wide receivers, guys. Excuse me, three pass catchers with over a hundred yards receiving, and Tank Dell, Dalton Schultz, and Noah Brown. Noah Brown six receptions for 153 yards. Um, but you know, C.J. Stroud was absolutely he was 
He was slicing and dicing, dishing and swishing. An absolute baller of a performance. Um, and I think if you're the Texans, you got to be happy that, you know, the Panthers picked Bryce Young with the first overall pick and CJ Stroud fell right to you, right into your hands. And, uh, you know, they're feeling pretty good about that selection. Uh, he is, he's, he's been absolutely, you know, I really don't like to use the word amazing a lot, but he's been absolutely amazing this season. So, you know, good job to CJ Stroud. Keep up the great work. I love to see it. So yeah, my player of the week was CJ Stroud. All right, Christian, who was your player of the week this past week? It's got to be Joe Burrow. Um, and look, it's not to say that like, oh, we don't know Joe Burrow. Uh, we we can all say like he's definitely the saving grace of the Cincinnati Bengals this last couple of seasons. But Joe Burrow looked horrendous week one when they played Cleveland. He looked a shell of himself when he played the Baltimore Ravens. This team did not look good at all to start. But we always get trapped in this ideology because the last several years, Cincinnati has a slow start. The chemistry is just not building. It gives them time. And we have to learn this, especially when Tyler Boyd and T. Huggins, and T. Higgins, excuse me, they're probably not going to be on that team next year. So they're going to have some different chemistry issues probably the next season and Cincinnati may have a slow start. But Jer Burrow played his absolute butt off through over 40 passes and threw for over 300 and almost 50 yards with two touchdowns and even his best wide receivers. You know, Jamar Chase, T. Huggins, Power Boyd, they didn't get the touchdowns. He got it to Drew Sample and Irv Smith, like tight ends, and that's the thing. He uses his guys really well, and Joe Burrow came out, and, and he was – dodging uh, pass rushers like they were bullets in the Matrix. He was just dodging everything. And with his injured calf, we're like, oh, my gosh, this guy is fully healed. And if Cincinnati is in that spot where they're going to be continuing to cook, if they are going to be, you know, improving each and every single week, because two weeks ago they beat the San Francisco 49ers, this team could seriously be a contender this year after we kind of wrote them off in the beginning of the year. Now, yes, I picked Baltimore to win this entire division, but Cincinnati, they, they can be creeping right now. So it's it's really good for Joe Burrow to be back at full health, and he's going to push his team into being in that AFC title conversation. All right, thank you for that. Next up, we are going to most impressive team for this past week, starting with Dalton. Who was your most impressive team for week nine. My most impressive team was the Kansas City Chiefs. After all three of us picked the Miami Dolphins, the Chiefs go ahead and win the football game. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I don't get it. You know, I, I think uh, I just it's the Chiefs uh, are just so it's so, it's so crazy to me because. You look at the Chiefs and you're like, well, their guys can't catch sometimes. Sometimes. And they're like, oh, they've only got Travis Kelsey. Is like, he's the one guy that you know week in, week out, for the most part, he's going to be. He's going to be there. He's going to be the, the main target. And they just, they just keep winning. 
But I will tell you this, Chiefs defense, I mean, it's so good, dude. It's, I mean, they're just suffocating. Um, and, you know, this might be the most complete team um, that, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, has been a part of, you know, during his time with the Chiefs thus far. Um, so I think, you know, it's pretty impressive that they were able to, I guess, pressure, well, pressure and hold the Dolphins to even less than their, you know, their previous losses, the Dolphins' previous losses. Um, but I think, you know, just that, the that and them playing in like another country and that sort of thing, the Dolphins just weren't prepared and it's, it showed right away. Chiefs just jumped out to an early lead. I, I thought it was incredibly impressive that they were just able to do that. I mean, just the snap of your fingers, man. Just like that, you're down 21 points. Uh, and it just didn't seem like the Dolphins ever were able to get a grasp of the football game. Sure, they came back a little bit. But even towards the end, you know, that fourth and ten, like, what are we doing? You know, and I think, you know, you got to, you have to, you have to, I mean, you have to give credit where credit's due. And the Kansas City Chiefs as a whole, as a team, being able to bounce back and uh, continuously prove, prove, people, prove people wrong week in and week out uh, is, you know, a credit to their, their culture and, you know, them. They've done it. They've, they've done a really good job this season, despite you know their roster makeup. All right, Christian, your most impressive team this past weekend. Uh, it's got to be the Raiders. You know, mentioning this earlier in the podcast. I mean, with Antonio Pierce, he like it's a cultural shift, and against the New York Giants. But when you see how excited the Raiders players were heading into the week, seeing how they uh, celebrated this game against the Giants, pulling out cigars, having fun in the locker room. This was a completely different vibe of a Las Vegas Raiders team. And when you see it, like, like, this is not, I don't think, the greatest team. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Aiden O'Connell. You know, they have great players like Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby, Devontae Adams. They have their guys, but we are we're like I don't I'm not gonna say oh wow the Raiders are gonna become an actual playoff contender after this, but when they play the Jets on Sunday Night Football, expect a different wild team than you would beforehand. You know when they play the Kansas City Chiefs twice, they could be you know very on point when they play the Chargers again. This is a Las Vegas Raiders team that seems to have some more oomph within the program, in the program, in the franchise. And like I said, this team could actually make a run for the wild card if they keep this up and have critical wins in the division and against critical games later on down the line. All right. Thank you, Christian. For me, my most impressive team, uh, Baltimore. The Ravens, I can't remember if I picked them last time out. But they are one of the hottest teams in football. I mean, a couple weeks ago, just dismantling the Lions. Like, yeah, sure, the Cardinals game was close. Uh, the only one won that by seven. 
But against a team that like is worth a damn, they are just destroying them left and right. Like we thought Detroit was really good. Um last week, Seattle's like they're a pretty good team, you know, five and three. They were going in division leaders. Uh now they're tied with San Fran for the division league because they are now back even on games. Um but Baltimore just dominated the game start to finish. Like Lamar is looking like MVP Lamar. Like yeah, he had no touchdown passes. He didn't need to have any touchdown passes. You had Keaton Mitchell uh, going off, getting his first touchdown of his career, uh, nine carries, 138 yards, um, including his 40-yard touchdown run in the third quarter. And I don't want to necessarily raise the question, but, like, we – and Christian, I know you have done this before. You crushed Daniel Jones' contract a lot, and I'm with you on that. I think that was a terrible deal. Um, Geno Smith also got paid last season – if you're so going below 50% in an interception and sack four times, not looking too good for poor OG. Like Gino's a fine quarterback. Last year he had a career year, uh, just given, you know, how his uh career had unfolded. But I don't know if there's any buyer's remorse necessarily with um that because he got a three-year $75 million deal. It's not the so $25 million average annual value, not the $40 million that uh Daniel got. But still, it's a lot of money you're commanding, and he is just—he's not duplicating what he did last year, because uh, we're already about halfway through the season, um, and he is just not—the numbers are not close to where, like, if you extrapolate out to where he was a year ago, um, so it, it sucks for that. But yeah, Baltimore, my team, a uh, most impressive team, team of the week honors their least impressive team, starting with Christian. How do you see who was your least impressive team this past week? It's got to be Miami. Um, And I know we talked about this game and Dalton touched about it in uh, his most impressive of Kansas City. Miami, like you look at the score, it's 21-14. This honestly should have been 21-10 at max because Kansas City Chiefs had some dumb penalties. You know, when this, you know, there was going to be a fourth down. It was going to be in field goal position for Kansas City. After a fumble that they had, Chris Jones decided to, you know, be a little piece of crap and go after uh, an offensive lineman and getting them in trouble for where Miami can run it in for a score. And I'm not going to say this is Miami's future, but you you do really well against very poor teams. But when your number calls up and you got to go against division rival Buffalo Bills, you get blown out 48 to 20. You have a game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, yes, I did criticize how it is kind of fishy that the Philadelphia Eagles had no penalties at all in that game. Really weird, but you still lost 31-17 to despite having a pick six. And then you have this Kansas City Chiefs game, which everybody's watching you. You're in a 21 nothing deficit. Like, this is kind of wild. Like, this is supposed to be the 70-point offense that – scored on Denver, who Green Bay lost to, but where where's that energy? Where's that ferocity? This doesn't feel like it's the same team. So is Miami more of a pretender now? Are they going to be, you know, in the playoffs like a Minnesota where they're lucky because their schedule isn't great and they can beat all of the meh teams. They can beat New England again. They can beat the Commanders. They can beat the Jets twice. You know, that's, you know, if that's what it is, then, you know, have at it. But 
and I just realized they already played the Patriots twice. Maybe. But you, you got the Commanders. You got the Jets twice. You got the uh, Titans. The toughest games you got, you got Dallas again, Baltimore, and Bills to end the year. They could possibly go 0-3 in that stretch, but they can still make the playoffs in the wild card. So Miami has to show me that in those later games, they can actually compete with them. They can actually be a contender for the AFC this year. And after seeing the stats and seeing their win-losses, winning against under 500 teams, above 500, they're not doing so well. They're 0-3. You know, and not showing up tremendously in Germany, it raises a lot of questions. And that's why they're my least impressive team. All right. For me, my least impressive team uh, is the Arizona Cardinals. Like, I, I hate, like, cause it's, it's easy to, you know, low hanging fruit just to take it. But 11 of 20 for 58 yards for Clayton Toon, like, not throwing it down the field. And I get it. You, you really can't with this offense. It's kind of limited. You also were sacked seven times by Cleveland. Like, Cleveland looks for real. I, I think the quarterback plays sus- suspect at times, but, like, that defense, Jim Schwartz, doing a hell of a job there. In Arizona, like, Jonathan Gannon, I, I like the – again, I was critical of a few things in Philadelphia last year with their defense, especially in the Super Bowl, how bad that looked. But, like, you can at least tell the Arizona, the team's trying, at least early in the season when Dobbs was the quarterback. Uh, and, again, you got rid of Dobbs because – I mean, they got good news earlier today. Kyler Murray is activated now, and he will start in Week 10 for the Cardinals. I don't know how much of a difference that makes with this year's team, just given that they're in the dumpster right now. They're 1-8, and eight, one of the worst teams in the NFL. Actually, they are the worst team uh, in them in Carolina, in the NFL. And at least that's their one game with Clayton, too. But you just all Josh Dobbs, you're spending a late-round pick swap with and threw him in that deal. And he just let a comeback win for the Vikings. Like, that's double stinging for the Arizona Cardinals. That It's just – it was an unfortunate day uh, for them. And that, you know, not much is going on when you're only generating 58 yards through the air, 41 on the ground. Like, you're not generating much talent whatsoever, uh, much yardage. And, that again, you also didn't find the end zone once or even a field goal. Like, Arizona scoring zero, my least impressive this past week. Dalton, you're least impressive of this weekend. My least impressive was the New York Jets. Uh, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Completely awful. Great job, you. Congratulations, New York. You screwed up your playoff chances. I just, that was a that was a lousy reference to uh, the Disney Pixar film Inside Out. But, you know, I, whatever. I'm, I'm tired of making references now. First Phil Collins and now Pixar. This is what what a time to be alive. But anyway, like the Jets, come on, man. You've got them at home. We're talking about the Chargers, and they've just not been themselves the entire season. They've got all these players on defense. This is the time, man. You've got to make a statement. You know what you do? You jet it. You jet it. Somebody should trademark that exact phrase. As in, you screwed up. As in, you screwed up six points? Come on, bro. What are you doing? What are you doing? The Chargers. If you started the Chargers defensive fantasy this week, you are feeling good. If you started them this week in fantasy, you are feeling really good. The Chargers forced. Let me get this right. 
defensively, what was it, three or four fumbles? I mean, sheesh, sheesh, what are we doing? What are we doing, Jets? I mean, Zach, what are you doing, hombre? If there's anything that you can't do, it's throw the ball almost 50 times. How do you expect to win the ball game like that? Giving up a kick return touchdown? You're in the 7 nothing hole already? 14 points to, uh, in, in favor of the, clip, uh, the, the Clippers. Frick. The, the Chargers. Just after the first quarter. You expect Zach Wilson to come back from that? Well, I know he's at home, but still. Still, I don't think that. I, I really don't have faith in that. And, and I just... They fumbled three times. Lost two of them. And... I mean, gosh, man. Like, it's just... They just jetted it up. They just jetted it up, man. The Chargers probably had their best performance of the season thus far. Um, and now giving them new momentum. Justin Herbert wasn't even that great. He was sacked five times, 4.5 yards per pass, 16 for 30, 136 passing yards, no touchdowns. I mean, really, like Austin Eckler was the star, two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, both right up on the goal line. And then Darius Davis with the kick return. <coughs> excuse me. Excuse you. The punt return. Three three, three punts, 104 yards. I mean, I just, ah, man, I this was your opportunity, prime opportunity. You're at home and you just... Jet it up, baby. Yeah. There's one thing that's consistent. Death taxes and the New York Jets finding a way to jet it up. So, least impressive. Congratulations, Jets fans. You've ruined your playoff chances. All right. Thank you for that. On to biggest surprise of the week. I'll start. Uh, For me, it's like overall as a season, if you were to – Look at the playoff standings right now. All four teams in the AFC North are, as of now, playoff bound. Like, it's all three wildcard spots occupied by the now 5-3 Steelers, Browns, Bengals. Bengals in last place, super surprising, given they were my one seed preseason. Um, Baltimore just dominating everyone start to finish. The Bills half game out of the playoffs. Um at the moment, just because they've played one more extra game than a lot of these teams ahead of them. Um, so, but you, you have a, it's in the loss column, so you kind of screw yourself there. But AFC North, uh, and again, I don't think it will hold out the rest of the year. I don't think we will see all four of those teams make it. I think someone's going to fall out eventually. Probably Cleveland, if I had to guess. Um, but nonetheless, it's impressive to me. That's my biggest surprise right now is that all four teams are playoff bound. Dalton, your biggest surprise. My biggest surprise was the Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, we we actually mentioned them earlier about their performance against the New York Giants. I was just surprised at the amount of points that they put up. That was my biggest surprise. Like I, I genuinely thought that it was going to be close because I just didn't think the Raiders, albeit minus Josh Jacobs and. Devontae Adams, I just didn't think that, they, you know, they were going to be able to move the ball or they were going to score in the 30s. 
Um, hey man, give credit where credit's due. I mean, they just did it. They just stomped on them, stomped on the Giants, and um, uh, and now they're four and five. And I don't know, man, could they turn it here? I think you know you've got to be feeling pretty good if you're a Raiders fan. Hey, look, man, we got to win, albeit against you know the charity case Giants. But you know, I just think that you know biggest surprise for me was the Raiders' performance this past week, and uh, they were just completely dominant. So good job, and keep up the good work. All right. Uh, Christian, your biggest surprise this past weekend? Um, It's got to be with Tampa Bay, man. I mean, I didn't think this team was going to be high hopes this year uh, with the NFC South. Now, yes, I predicted uh, the Carolina Panthers, who Tampa Bay is actually better than. But, I mean, if you actually look at these games this year, they, they lost four games in a row, two possessions against Detroit, 20-6, to six, three-point game against Atlanta, six-point game against Buffalo, two-point game against the Houston Texans. It, it, it Like, they're three and five, but, like, they're the best team with a losing record. They're in these games. Now, yes, Buffalo, they had to come back, and Buffalo almost screwed them. You know, this was a back-and-forth game with Houston and Tampa Bay. Like, Tampa, it is so sad that they are in this position right now in a division that really still seems up to grabs in my eyes. You know, I don't know what Arthur Smith is doing with his team. You know, two top, you know, five, or not five picks, Bijan was eight, but two top ten picks with Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson. Doesn't even use them, right? And I don't know what he's doing if he's his offensive guru. The Saints, they're now hitting their strides. Uh, and the Panthers are just the Panthers. So Tampa Bay can still find a way to win this division, uh, which isn't a good division in the first place. But my biggest surprise is Tampa losing a, another close one yet again. All right. So, yeah, that will conclude our Week 9 recap. On to our Week 10 preview. Uh, yeah, we try to pick some good games, some intriguing games, some good storylines. Uh, so the storylines where we lean first. With Thursday night's game between Carolina and Chicago, live from Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois. Um, a game between, um, so Chicago, if you don't remember, the refresher, they had the worst record last year, had the first pick in the draft. Carolina was picking, I believe, nine. They trade up to take the first overall pick and also throw in this year's first round pick. So Carolina doesn't have their first-round pick. Chicago. Chicago owns both of these teams' draft picks. So regardless of the outcome of this game, Chicago's draft, eight Chicago draft pick will be increasing its value. Uh, I mean, I think Chicago might have two. They might, at the end of the day, have the top two picks in the uh, in the upcoming draft because of the trade they made last year. Um, and, I mean, early results, early return on investment, it's not there for Bryce Young. Um, but, yeah, that's where we sit here. Two awful teams. Al Michaels might get up and leave part of this game because uh, if you listen to his commentary, he's not impressed a lot. Um, I will be intrigued to see if Justin Fields plays. He is questionable at the moment. Obviously, Tyson Badgett has started the last few games uh, for Chicago, and he, he's looked fine at times. He look, it looked like a uh, undrafted second round, not undrafted, undrafted Division two quarterback at times. But I mean, they've played they played close with the Saints this past weekend. Um, surprisingly, but Taysom Hill is Taysom Hill. Um, Carolina, again, season's in shambles. Like, I don't know what they, 
they have no re- incentive to tank right now because they don't have their first round pick. Um, but yeah, the tank fall, uh, really the Chicago tank fall, because uh, they have both picks. It's gonna be an awful game. Like, I don't know. Like, you might be better off just if you're because it's on Prime. Like, if you're watching this game on Prime, you might be better off just backing out and just searching Prime, scrolling through until you find a movie you want to watch or TV show, whatever. Uh, tickles your fancy there, because that is what this is going to be more like. Um, it's going to be more entertaining to watch a movie than watch this football game. Uh, but nonetheless, Dawn, what are you looking forward to with the Panthers and the Bears? I'm looking forward to the Toilet Bowl. Let's go, baby. I'm just excited to see which bad team can outlast the other. Both of these teams are bad. I'm just, I'm just ready to sit on my couch or wherever it is that I find comfort and watch both these teams just slug at it, just go at each other like no tomorrow. Uh, and uh, we'll see which bad team can, can uh, come out on top. All right. Christian, what are you looking forward to in the awful game that we have on Thursday night? Gosh, I really – I had hopes on both of these teams. at Chicago in the playoffs and the wild card and at Carolina – winning the entire division and uh they're they're both just gonna you know Carolina's not even gonna pick in the top of first round unless you know they trade like, like unless somebody trades for like Adam Thielen or something. Um it, it's just gonna be an awful mess. Uh these primetime games aren't gonna get much better. Um it's it's such a snooze fest. The toilet bowl is here. Uh, I mean good luck Bryce Young, good luck uh, Tyson Bagnet, like it's it is just awful. Oh, I had both these teams win the division preseason. Hmm. Like, I, I deserve all the laughs right now that I, I had faith in not just one, but both of these teams. That, like, if I was looking at the schedule preseason, I'm like, hey, this could be a potential playoff preview. Uh, that is far from it, it is just far from it. But, uh, two picks we go. I, I, I get. Where do you go? It's like we've had that like 0-3 week. We had two 0-3 games. Like, where do you go? I'm going Chicago because this is a game where Chicago may try to win. I mean, again, Carolina has no sense of tank whatsoever. But it's a game where, like, Chicago, if you're trying to tank there, which is weird because they just acquire Montez Sweat, uh, they're kind of buyers at the deadline. Like, you win and you still get a better pick because Carolina's pick becomes worse. Like, this, this is a win-win for Chicago. Uh, and I think they're going to play like, hey, we can win this game and it not necessarily hurt us in the draft. Uh, and maybe they make a, a run, potentially get like six wins this year. Who knows? Uh, but I'm going Chicago. Dolan, how do you see this one going down? I'm also going to pick Chicago. Um, and it's, it's you know, it's just because I have like I have no faith in the Carolina Panthers. Um, I, I just I just think that they'll find a way to win this game at home. Uh I'm actually going to be incredibly frustrated and shocked if Carolina somehow wins this contest. Because, I mean, look, if you look at it top to bottom, you would think that Chicago has the has the better roster. So there's no reason why they shouldn't win this game. So give me, give me dub Bears to win this one. All right. Christian, how do you see this one going down? It's good. I got to be different. Um, actually, no, I'm not Chicago. Uh, I, I really wanted to go with Bryce Young, but I'm like, you know what? Chicago had a close game against New Orleans. Bryce, I just don't trust him right now, man. Like, 
Chicago wins in the end, no matter what. Um, because they have, like Spencer mentioned, they have the picks. Ah, do I, uh, all right, you know what? Final decision, final decision. I'm going Carolina. I'm going Carolina. Uh, I'll rest in, I'll rest in my grave there. If I go two and three, this will be one of the reasons. So I got, I'll take Carolina in this. No, alrighty. Next up, a, a match between two teams going in completely different directions, uh, but both coming off of a bye week. Um, it is the San Francisco 49ers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags winners of um, at least five straight. Uh, San Francisco losers of three in a row. Yeah, five straight for a Jags team that was at one point one and two. Um, and then they, they they just rolled through won five games in a row. Although you can again argue, you know, Falcons not very good. Bills not looking good right now. Colts we yeah they're the Colts. There was no Richardson in that game. Uh, the Saints they are the Saints. And the Steelers, despite being five and three, you're not that confident in like Kenny Pick or anyone of that team to do anything. Whereas San Fran, you dropped to Cleveland on a last second field goal. You lost to a Minnesota team, which looks really bad in la- in retrospect. And Cincinnati is one of the best teams in football. I guess no no slouch. Like the record made I indicated that Joe Burrow is elite. Um so yeah, again, two teams trading in different directions there. I'm excited to see, you know. Christian McCaffrey, we haven't seen him in a week now. I mean, does he keep the streak going? I hope so, uh, for his sake. And you also, like, Zay Jones is on the injury report. Dio's name is on the injury report, questionable right now. Um, again, these guys didn't play last week, so hopefully it gives an ample time to rest up. And there's no rest advantage here for either team because uh, they both got 14 days to prepare for each other. So I'm expecting this to be a very hard-fought game because both teams – are going to know each other very well because of how much they've been scouting and preparing for this single opponent uh, this upcoming Sunday. This, it should be a very fun game at Everbank Stadium in Jacksonville, Florida. Dahl, what are you looking forward to with the Jags and the 49ers? I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing if Jacksonville, their defense can slow down the San Francisco offense. Jacksonville's defense has been, you know, one might say – you know, one that really nobody's talking about, and they've just done an absolute job this uh, this season. So, you know, can they slow them down? Will Christian McCaffrey score another touchdown? Will he continue his streak? Um, those are kind of the questions and kind of what I'm looking forward to seeing if it happens or if it doesn't happen with this game. All right, Christian, what are you looking forward to in San Fran and Jacksonville? Uh, I want to see if San Francisco can bounce back. Uh, they had their bye week. They can kind of relax a little bit. Kind of went into panic mode. You know, losing a tough one to Cleveland. Oh, crap, we lost two in a row to Minnesota. Oh, gosh, we lost three in a row. So, I feel like, you know, Kyle Shanahan's just kind of calming them down to relax. If y'all remember the Green Bay Packers message back uh, in the late 2010s. Um, so, I think San Francisco, can they come back in this? Can they uh, stay ahead in the NFC West competition? And Jacksonville is a great way to prove it. You know, Trevor Lawrence, there was a stat that showed up on social media. Trevor Lawrence is just having a a slightly better year than uh, Mac Jones, who's, you know, doing terrible right now in the Patriots. So he either, Mac Jones, who is terrible right now, Trevor Lawrence is a little bit better, or Trevor's just, you know, on the same level as Mac Jones 
if we want to say Trevor is going above and beyond. So this is a good test to see, A, if Jacksonville for real in the AFC, or is San Francisco back on track and they can uh, – and that and those three games can benefit them as we get later into the playoffs. All right. To the picks we go. And, again, I mean, admittedly, like, I, there's been times, like, especially with Miami, where I think, oh, this is the game. Miami's going to win it. And all eyes are going to be on Miami. It's like, hey, Miami's legit now. This is like Jacksonville. Like, if Jacksonville wins this, it will be their sixth straight win of the season. They will be 7-2 and two on the season. And people are going to be taking talk about them maybe being the one seed, um, potentially. Like, they have everything in front of them. And San Fran, like, Seattle lost last week, got demolished. Like, you are tied with them. If you win and Seattle loses this week, you get to reclaim the one seed, uh, at least in the division. Um, and I, same thing with Cincinnati. Like, I, I picked San Fran, so, like, I can't see them losing three straight. I, I would find it really hard-pressed to see them go to four straight losses. And I know Jacksonville's hot, but like I mentioned, their wins are not super impressive. Like, yeah, the teams may... Record-wise, be fine, but like Pittsburgh's not a five and three type of team. Kenny Pick is terrible. New Orleans, Derek Carr is getting old. Like he's fine, but not what he used to be. I Gardner Minshew is he's Gardner Minshew. Like he's a dirty man at this point. Buffalo, they've kind of regressed a bit. Atlanta, like I, I can pick apart all these games. Whereas Minnesota's the only head scratcher. Like Cleveland's defense is fantastic. Minnesota, yeah, Cousins still. I'm going San Fran, but I am. This is more the ones where. I wouldn't be super stunned if the Jaguars come out and they just dominate start to finish because Doug Peterson, he is a hell of a coach. He's won a ring for a reason. Uh, Dalton, how do you see this one going down? Shocker for me, guys. I'm picking the Jags. I know, I know, Dalton, you're such a 49er hater. But look, San Francisco's lost three straight. I just, this doesn't look, I, I really don't think that this was a good matchup coming off the bye for them. Spencer, you mentioned the Jags are coming off their bye as well. Both teams off the bye. So it's not like you've gained an advantage. And you have to travel cross-country to the Eastern time zone to play this game. I'm going to take the Jags. And, you know, the last time San Francisco had to travel into the Eastern time zone, they lost. So I think the Jags will win this game. Um and keep on their winning streak. Uh, but I, I I do think that it will be a tight contest. And, um, yeah, give me, give me the uh, Jacksonville Jags. All right. Christian, how do you see this one going down? I'm going to go San Francisco. Uh, and, look, the same reason Spencer pointed out. Jacksonville, I, I'm not bought on them. I'm bought on them to, you know, win the AFC South and get into the playoffs. But these, you know, the games you're you're playing and you're winning, you're not playing the better teams. You know, Pittsburgh is great for their defense, and you didn't really destroy them that much. It was a it was a terrible weather condition game in Pittsburgh, and you somehow got the win. And against San Francisco, a lot has to go right. They just reloaded with Chase Young. They're going to get their offensive line back. They're going to get McCaffrey at full health. You know, Brock Purdy, he has had two weeks. Now, yeah, we've all seen him be on a on a farm, but Kyle Shanahan has been like, hey, we have got to get this down now. You have got to slow down 
Be who you are. Don't try and be, you know, Josh Allen type trying to make the play. Just do what we tell you. You know, work with the system right now, and then the rest is going to figure itself out. So I got San Francisco winning this game, and Jacksonville, if they prove me wrong, they are going to be up there with Baltimore, Cincinnati, Kansas City as an actual contender this year. All right. The next one, a division rivalry, the Cleveland Browns taking on the Baltimore Ravens for the second time this season. They made a handful of weeks ago, week four, and Cleveland lost 28-3 to Baltimore. Baltimore just dominated start to finish that game. Lamar, 15-19, yards, two touchdowns. But also, the caveat, Cleveland, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was playing that game. Like, you uh, you caught Cleveland when Deshaun was injured. Deshaun's back now. So, I, I do expect the game to be closer than it was last time out. And Cleveland's defense, they are just playing. Like, they shut out the Cardinals. Sure, um, I was going to say they're playing fantastic. Then I realized they put 38 points. They allowed 38 points to the Colts and 20 points to the, the Seahawks. But they have at times played lights out. And I think with it being a division game, they're going to get up for that. But Lamar, like he, the Ravens won, and he didn't do much last week. I think he might be potentially an MVP front runner. But his stats, you know, they are not wowing you right now. If you look at not a little under two thousand yards, nine touchdowns, three picks. But this offense is just looking really good. Like they're seven two, um, so I'm I'm expecting it to be a lot better than the first time out. Uh, that these two teams played. Dole, what are you looking forward to with Cleveland and Baltimore? I'm just looking forward to uh, the uh, the Ravens' continued dominance that they've had this season. Um, looking forward to them just, you know, just like the last matchup, different quarterback, I think. You know, especially with this one being at home, they just took care of Cleveland in Cleveland. That's fine. Now this one's in Baltimore. I think that I think you gotta be, you know, if you're Baltimore, you gotta be feeling pretty happy about that. And uh, I just think that, you know, I'm just looking forward to them just doing what they're doing, doing their job, and you know, just uh, taking care of business. All right, Chris, what are you looking forward to with Cleveland and Baltimore? Uh, can this defense kind of recover after the whooping that they had uh, the first time? Now, yeah, they have Deshaun Watson back now instead of. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. So are they going to perform better offensively and defensively against a red hot Baltimore team that doesn't need Lamar to go off? It doesn't need Mark Andrews to go off. The team is just going to figure itself out. So it's a division game. It's always tough seeing these, but if history repeats itself, I think we know which way this is going to go. All right. Two picks we go. I'm riding with uh, Baltimore, excuse me. I almost said Cleveland. I'm riding with Baltimore as long as Lamar is there. And they are, they're just dominant. They're such a good team that, like, Lamar could be, like, have, like he had no touchdowns last week passing it. And he they were fine without him. Like, Lamar doesn't have to do super uh, much to help this team out. And I think that, like, Baltimore, I, I want to believe in them preseason, but I bought a little bit into uh, Cincinnati. And I, I might be right in the end. I may be wrong. Like, that's just how the season goes. But I, I am sold on, Cle- on a, oh, Cleveland. I'm not sold on. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Cleveland. Baltimore, I'm sold on them and Lamar Jackson. I think they get it done on uh, Sunday. Dalton, how do you see this one going down? 
Spence, I'm right there with you. I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens, too. Um, you know, actually, I was looking at this and, like, you know, guys, things tend to – history tends to repeat itself. I've said that on – I've said this on this podcast I don't know how many times. And Baltimore has owned Cleveland throughout their entire team history. And particularly in the last two matches in Baltimore, the Browns are 0-2. So, give me the Ravens. All right. Christian, how do you see this one going down? I got Baltimore again. Uh, until I'm proven otherwise, like, yes, Cleveland is going to be on the up and up and be in that wild card conversation. Baltimore, I get Lamar owns the NFC, but, I mean, he's staying healthy. He's becoming a pocket passer. He's not taking any major hits. He's very, you know, he's very much aware of what he needs to do and how to make this team better and stay late in these games because he's been hurt a lot. Uh, towards the end of the season. He's understanding that. This is a tough defense, but I got Baltimore here. All right. The next matchup we have, a surprisingly good matchup, at least on paper. And that is the 5-4 and four Saints and the 5-4 and four Vikings. Yeah. The Vikings at one point, 1-4, one with the one win at that time being Carolina in the battle of 2-0 and 3-2s at the time. The Vikings have now won four straight. And, yeah, they lost Kirk Cousins to the Achilles, but they beat the Packers. Uh, they beat the Falcons with Josh Dobbsley, a game-winning drive at the very end. Uh, you beat San Francisco, which I, we were talking about just a while back. Surprising still. Um, and you got Josh Dobbs, who, for the second time this year, didn't know the people's names he was playing with. He didn't get it done with Arizona week one, but he did get it done last week. Uh, and the Saints team is just a Saints team that I don't believe in. But they they also fight away. They and they love Taysom Hill. Like I don't know what it is. Uh, like Sean Payne loved Taysom Hill for some reason. Dennis Allen's continuing the love for Taysom Hill. They have just used him in the goal line packages. He's even throwing touchdowns occasionally. Like it's still car. It's still Carr's team. But when they get in the red zone within the five yard line, like if it's second and goal from the three, you can almost guarantee Taysom Hill is going to be in the game, and ninety percent of the time he's going to run the ball there. Um. But this is, again, two teams that are currently in the playoffs. Uh, the Saints has the four seed. Vikings in the final spot as the seventh seed uh, if the season ended today. So both these teams are thinking playoffs, and uh, it can be very fascinating to see, uh, if especially the Saints, because that division is very winnable. Uh, the Vikings, if they can keep it a good streak going, they, I don't know if they'll catch the Lions. depends on how the Lions schedule unfolds. Uh, we will prove the Lions game this week in a second. But the Vikings could sneak up and catch the Lions if a few things go their way. Uh, but nonetheless, Dahl, what are you looking forward to with the Saints and the Vikings game on Sunday? I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, can New Orleans keep up the effort um, traveling to Minnesota? And, you know, is there a way for Chris Olave to get more involved in the offense? Um, I think there's just so much potential for this guy to just – have a, have a, I guess, perform better than he has in this offense so far this season. Um, it is, you know, that possible. For Minnesota, I think, you know, just keep the streak going. You got to keep that alive. Josh Dobbs now had more time to learn this offense. Brian Flores getting the defense dialed up. You know, those two things working hand in hand. I think I think you have a recipe for success. So I think I you know it's gonna it's gonna be a pretty good game, I think. 
All right. Christian, what are you looking forward to with this matchup? Uh, you know, with Josh Dobbs, you know, him actually being in with Minnesota and really learning this offense, learning his own guys' names. Uh, you know, how is Josh Dobbs going to integrate himself into Kevin O'Connell's offense? Uh, and with the Saints, can they keep this momentum up? They had a big win against the Colts, in my opinion, two weeks ago. Had it, it was a it was a okay game, not a game you probably expect with uh with a terrible team in Chicago, but New Orleans gets a win no matter how dirty, how clean. So you know these two teams who are still trying to keep uh their playoff hopes alive. It'll be really interesting to see how Josh Dobbs can really step up, actually knowing what he's doing in Minnesota, and with Derek Carr the one-year wonder boy, because every single year New Orleans goes for a new quarterback, can he actually leave the Saints to get into the playoffs and win the division? All righty, two picks we go. And I, I know I've crushed this team, but I'm going with the Saints. Like, I don't believe in them. But Minnesota, again, you lighting strikes once. Like, we saw last year Baker Mayfield come in three days with the Rams and leading come from behind victory on Thursday Night Football. Um so this stuff happens, like, again, like you said, Dobbs didn't even practice with the team. Uh, he just showed up, was learning, getting acclimated to the system, and I was like, okay, we need you because Jared Hall's injured right now. Um, they can't afford an injury. I don't know what – because Hall was concussed, if I recall, uh, and I don't know what his status is like for um, this weekend, but that's, that's scary if it's, you know, just uh, Josh Dobbs and uh, we don't know who the backup is right now. I, yeah, Dodge, I don't think it gets injured, but you never know uh, how this is going to go because they've had two quarterbacks get injured in back-to-back weeks for the Vikings. But I, I think the Saints get it done. Like, I think they will find a way, um, and we'll see, like, Taysom Hill have, like, two touchdowns probably just because he is going to – they're going to utilize him enough to where he's going to find the end zone at least once. Um, so give me the Saints in this one. Dalton, how do you see this one going down? Thank you, Spence. You know, I've been going back and forth, and – you know, I just, I just think that, gosh, with these two, I mean, you just never, you just never know. I think the Saints' defense cause is going to cause some problems, um, and I just think if, if Derek Carr does not turn off the ball, then they're going to be sitting pretty good. Um, yeah, you know, give me, give me, give me the Saints um, to to pull this off. Uh, and stop the streak that the Vikings have got for themselves. Um, now, would I be completely floored if the Vikings, you know, pull off this win? No, but you know, I just think Saints, as a complete team with who they have offensively and defensively, um, that, you know, it's going to be much better uh, than what the Vikings have currently. Maybe if they were a little bit more healthy, the Vikings, then, I would I would go towards Minnesota, but go ahead and give me the Saints. All right. Christian, how do you see this one going down? Uh, three for three, I'm going with the Saints here. Look, I, I love Josh Dobbs, what he's kind of been through since being out of Tennessee, um, bouncing around in Pitt, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Arizona. And he was really the only bright spot in Arizona with all with the team just being in disarray what it is now. Uh, and with Minnesota, I feel like they could get into a groove, but not yet. Uh, you know, you beat an Atlanta team who, like I said you know, earlier in the show, Arthur Smith, 
you're you're you have two top talents in Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts, yet you don't want to use them. What the hell? So I'm not shocked that Arizona lost in this game. But to New Orleans Saints, you know, they have a tremendous defensive culture. Uh, their offense is going to get into a groove with Michael Thomas, with Chris Olave, Derek Carr. When he when he's the guy and when he's healthy, this team is unstoppable. Um, or they can be unstoppable. So I got the Saints here. All righty. To our final match that we go, Lions and Chargers, another one that's uh, two teams are, like I so said, the Lions lead the division at 6-2. and two. Um, They are it, just percentage points ahead, like a game and a half ahead of Minnesota um, for the division right now. The Chargers, 4-4, four and four, uh, sitting pretty comfortably in, I mean, they're a half game ahead of Vegas in the standings for the division. Uh, but both teams coming off a win this past well, the Chargers past week. Lions had a bye week. Um, Jared Goff looking fine this year as always. Herbert, obviously, he's got the more impressive numbers. Uh, I mean, sort of a thirteen and four. Uh, the, the yardage is actually advantaged Jared Goff on that, and I think this could be a very exciting game, especially in that four o'clock window, because you got two teams that are trying to. Continue on. Obviously, Detroit division titles on their mind. Chargers, you want to keep it going because, especially if you're Brandon Staley, you got to know that your jobs might be in jeopardy if you don't come back from this. I mean, you're four and four right now, just outside the playoff uh, picture, but still a lot of football left to be played. Nine games for both teams, and it can be very exciting. Um, and it, it, the advantage, the rest advantage for Detroit is kind of fascinating. Like, is that, I mean, you always talk about that. Is advantage, you know, keep playing or get that little rest where you can get, get some guys healthy. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Eckler's also play, been playing out of his mind lately. He's been slowly but surely getting back to the Eckler that I'm used to in the years past um, for the Chargers. But, Dahl, what are you looking forward to with the Lions and the Chargers past this upcoming weekend? Excuse me. Uh, have the Chargers defense. I mean, after after three games, you know, they're, they're playing – they're playing a really good opponent in the Lions. Those other games when they were playing the Bears and the Jets, I mean, like offensively, they don't really match up to what the Lions have. You know, is it is, is, is just, you know, it happened a couple of times, but the Chargers are actually something else on defense. I'm curious to see if the Chargers defense has finally turned a corner and actually is gonna really is gonna is gonna play really well against a really good offense. Um, as for Detroit, I mean, I mean you're having a pretty good season. Just, I mean, keep up the great work. You know, I, that's I'm just looking forward to another Detroit outing where you know they're able to do almost, if not pretty much, everything of what they want to do against a football team, and so. Yeah, those are kind of the few things that I'm looking forward to. All right. Christian, what are you looking forward to this weekend with the Lions and the Chargers? Um, even though I think, you know, Baltimore is much better than the Chargers, Detroit, you know, the the last game that we saw, like, oh, wow, Detroit is like the team to watch out for, they got thumped. And I don't think the Chargers are in the same conversation as Baltimore, but they are a much better team. Uh, than what we've thought of, especially in the last several weeks, despite who their opponents have been. So Detroit really needs to step up their game 
and actually become, uh, you know, the top, you know, one of the better NFC teams that we actually think can be contenders here. And with the Chargers, they got to keep up this momentum, man. Now, we had an off-air conversation last week uh, between Spencer and I about Robert Saya uh, with the special teams and defense. They didn't show up, obviously, and neither can the offense for New York. So, you know, with New York, very disappointing with them, and the Chargers had an easy win uh, on Monday Night Football. But, you know, they have to keep this momentum up and going against Detroit, who, again, He's been on the bye. They're just kind of enjoying themselves right now. Detroit, they're going to be back in action. And they're looking to bite off some more kneecaps. All right. So now it is time to do our picks uh, for this game. The game is played at SoFi. So Lions home field advantage. I, I got to quit making that joke because it, it's just too easy. It's, it's but, true, but yeah. Uh, but Detroit even have a home field advantage? I mean, maybe this year when they're good. Uh, but anyway, give me Detroit. Like, I like Kayla Moore as an OC, and I think he, he's going to be a head coach one of these days. Um, but he's still, he, as long as Brandon stays on that sideline, as the head coach, the decision-making will always not surprise me when it's bad decision-making and bad uh, late-game execution, uh, if it's a close game. So give me Detroit in this one. Dolan, how do you see this one going down? I'm going to take Detroit as well, um, and uh, it's – because I just I just believe that they have a better team at this point, uh, and they're just gonna take advantage of their opportunities when it comes down, especially at the end of the game. I think I think we all can agree that Brandon Staley towards the end of the game is, I mean, you might as well just you know. Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know I don't know what you might as well do, but yeah, I just I just don't I just don't trust it. So I, I'm gonna go ahead and take Detroit, and you know I think guys. Detroit played in SoFi, what was it, maybe maybe last year, two years ago. They were pulling out all the stops. Fake punts. I mean, guys, we might we might see some tricks, some some, some fireworks from from the from the uh, the lines this weekend. I don't know, but I'm kinda see I'm kinda, you know, ready to see if that happens or not. But you know, give me give me the uh the lines. All right, Christian. How do you see this one going down? Uh three for three, I got Detroit here. Look, if you know, I think the Chargers are more talented up front. I think they have the better quarterback. I think they honestly, just because, you know, if I have to list them, I like Austin Eckler better than Jameer Gibbs, who absolutely went off against the Raiders. Like, San, I almost said San Diego. Los Angeles. I, I just don't want to say that any Los Angeles names or their new found teams now. I don't know why. I want to say St. Louis Rams. I always want to say the Oakland Raiders. I don't know. I'm tired. What's up? So, with the Los Angeles Chargers, they have a better roster. I think they have some better coaching than this team. I just don't trust Brandon Staley, as Spencer pointed out. Like, this is a guy who you they made bad decisions. They had a potential to beat the Miami Dolphins, yet screwed that over. They had a suspicion lead against the Raiders the first time they played, and they almost lost that game. And we know about the Jacksonville game and the absolute, you know, mess that was. We know about the mess when they played the Raiders two years ago, you know, week 18, where the Raiders were about to tie it, sending both teams to the playoffs. Staley had, you know, this big goal moment where he's like, you know what? I got you. I'm going to call a timeout. We're going to make sure the Raiders don't win this game. And the Raiders won the game and the Chargers went home early. 
But Detroit, with Dan Campbell, he is an incredible coach, a guy I would have run through a wall with. He is he is going to motivate his team, get his team back on point. This team has the division in my eyes. They just have to get, you know, better and better playoff position to make it far into the Super Bowl, which I have them in. So I got Detroit in this one. Chargers, they have a better roster. I just think the culture and the coaching matters more, and that's what Detroit has. All right. Next up, our final Racing with Dalton segment for this year. Uh, the NASCAR season has come to a close. Dalton, the floor is yours. Thanks, Spence. Uh, yeah, dude, this is uh, – don't shed a tear now. I mean, this is uh, – It's we've come a long way. We have. We've we've come a long way, and uh, here we go. So, you know, the, the final NASCAR Cup Series – race of the season was in phoenix this past weekend in which ryan blaney won the championship um ross chastain finished in first but ryan blaney was the first out of the top four to finish uh in, in which in which he finished in second kyle larson in third william byron in fourth um and actually i think that one of the highlights of this race was ryan blaney overtaking kyle larson with about 20 laps to go uh, and staying in front of him, I don't know if you real. I don't know if you raced in any capacity, even in go, even even with go karts, but to stay in front of somebody when you know that they are going to come after you with all of their heart, every trick in the book, they are going to come after you. To stay in front of them and keep your composure is is really is really something pretty amazing so congrats to ryan blaney for for winning his first nascar cup series championship um good for him the man in number 12 uh and uh yeah congratulations you know uh congratulations to all the other drivers for having a good season this was kevin harvick's last season as a nascar cup series driver so happy retirement to him and uh you know yeah that's that's about it for the NASCAR Cup Series. Well, um, yeah, so Formula One, Max Verstappen won another race. He won this one in Brazil. The next race is going to be in Las Vegas on November 19th. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, shout out to my guys at the Bluegrass Burnouts Podcast. They've had a great season. I'm looking forward to what they do for next year. Vlogs, um, YouTube uploads, podcasts, the whole nine yards. They really do an outstanding job, so – Kudos to them for having a good season and, uh, yeah, for racing uh, and, you know, the off season. Looking forward to what happens with that and all those guys. Uh, but, yeah, this has been uh, the racing segment. Back to you, Spence. All right. Thank you, Dahl. We'll do it again come springtime when they resume the next NASCAR season because it's uh, always a, uh, a fun time. But again, thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Out of Bounds. Hope you enjoyed everything uh if you enjoyed the uh beginning of the episode we had ryan on uh, to talk a little bit rugby world cup even if you're not a rugby fan um he does a great job with ryan's happy hour podcast i know we promoted at the very beginning of the show we'll do it again here as a reminder go check him out there great lifelong friend of ours we've all been on several times on that show he knows what he's doing there great interviewer uh just great content overall there Wherever you're listening to this podcast, just search Ryan's Happy Hour Hell on Spotify and others. You can just search the uh, the More Like This tab 
on like our podcast profile because I put his podcast in there to help spread the love there. So feel free to check him out and uh, show him some love there. Also, show us some love. Keep listening to uh, this. We'll, new episodes out almost every single week, especially during the NFL season. Um, and again, wherever you're listening to this podcast, feel free to subscribe to it. Leave a review if you feel inclined to. And uh, share it with friends and family because we are hoping to grow this podcast even more in the future. And as always, I'm Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop. And I'm Christian Ernst. So thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.